Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Wow. What a dream preview podcast. Most games we cover ever. I've been doing them four years. I, I've missed very few podcasts. In fact, when you count up all the college, all the NFL, I think I've done more podcasts than even R.J. Bell. And we've never covered 39 games before. But we did it here, and we gave you a bunch of best bets. We gave you some disagreements, some betting going on, having some fun here. 39 games, we covered it all. What a dream preview as far as the bowl games go. But as always, let's talk about Bet DSI. And as we head into the final half of the NFL season, in fact, the final couple weeks, it's always a bittersweet moment. So much great football is behind us. But the good news is there's even better football on the horizon. We're talking the NFL playoff push, the college football playoff arguments. And like we just discussed in this podcast, we're talking bowl season. So if you guys are looking to add some excitement, if if 39 bowl games isn't enough and you want some more excitement, why don't you make BetDSI.com your betting partner? Use BetDSI's live betting platform where you can watch all the events and even bet all the games till the final whistle. New members get 100% bonus match using promo code BELL101. That's BELL101. That's double your money to start winning today. So why do you choose BetDSI? Here's why. BetDSI has been paying winners for 20 years. BetDSI, top rating on betting review sites. Use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash this week. BetDSI has a very user-friendly interface and mobile site. BetDSI has the fastest payouts in the industry. You simply play, win, and get paid. BetDSI also offers betting options for everything. You can bet on the NFL, NBA, NHL, boxing, all the other major sports, including college football, politics, reality TV, esports, virtually everything. You can try live betting at BetDSI where you can bet on the games from start to finish every play and every minute until the very end. Again, new members get that 100% bonus match using the promo code BELL101. That's double your money to start winning today. Once again, go to BetDSI.com. Use the promo code BELL101. That's B-E-L-L-101. And get this limited time 100% bonus offer to make some extra cash today. It's only a game until you bet it at BetDSI. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. That's right. Brad Powers filling in for R.J. Bell. And guys, this is the Bowl Spectacular. We are going to do a high-level handicap on all, that's right, all 39 bowl games here. We'll get you some likes, some best bets. Ken Thompson's in the house with me. We have picks also from Steve Fezzik, Dave Esler. And again, we're going to get you at least kick-started here throughout the bowl season with a lean or like from at least one of us on all 39 bowl games here. But before we get into this bowl spectacular First, we got to take a look back at how we did on the last podcast. 
Hi, I'm Brad Powers, and I did not do well as far as the betting for last week. I actually went 0-2, and I lost to Ken Thompson on both of the bets there. First, I will say I did win a best bet on Florida Atlantic, but when it came to the SEC championship game and taking Georgia, and when it came to the Big 12 championship game and taking Oklahoma, I went 0-2, so therefore that means, Ken Thompson, you went... 2-0, man, and I'll take it, Brad. You know, I was real confident in Joe Burrow taking care of business in that game, but uh, best bet was the one I had to sweat out, but I got it with Cincinnati over Memphis. That was a fun game, and I really thought Cincinnati had their opportunities. Give Memphis credit for winning the game, but when you start laying nine points, nine and a half points, you know you have an opportunity if you have a decent squad, especially going back to that same venue they were at a week before. Yeah, and uh, I Fez, you know, did some pre-recording on his best bet. He's not here, but to no surprise to you longtime listeners who have been following the bets here on this Dream Preview, the college Dream Preview, Fez had two bets, unfortunately, and I even said this during the taping of that podcast a couple weeks ago. I did not. I was in a position I'd rather not be in, and I was with Fez on those two games. Fez, to no surprise, 0-2 on the two best bets. He's not here. Where's our money? You know what? You said it, though. You said it. You said, Oh, hey. my God, yeah. I think we'll have to do some backtracking, but I think Fez is now on a 1-15 run. 1-15 run on the bets here. In the NFL, he's probably close to the opposite. Not against R.J. Bell, he's not. Oh. No, it's, it's not been... He's done good as far as his premium picks, though. So we'll give it to him. So with that look back, we'll now start look forward. Now, before we look forward, we wouldn't it wouldn't be a college football dream preview without. These are the 24th Pythons, the largest arms to ever enter Gold's Gym Daddy. And they're out, folks, with KT wearing in the middle of December, 45 degrees outside. It's dark out, and KT's got a cutoff. Well, I the largest to, arms. I, of course, I had to have it with the state of Nevada and the Raider logo in there being at the black hole last game in Oakland. I just figured I got to represent despite the Raiders losing that game in a, boy, just a tough fashion. But at the end of the day, they're coming here to Vegas next year. So I'm looking forward to it. But, uh, yeah, didn't want to disappoint. Figured, you know what, I'll wear the coat, get inside, then I could take it off and uh, don the guns. All right, let's get started. Showtime! Woo! And we're, this is going to be, for those of you that listen to Ken's show, especially when I'm on on a Friday night throughout the football season, this, guys, is what we call in the industry a rundown show. We are going to go in rotation order, give you a high-level handicap on all 39 bowl games, and we'll start it off. In the Bahamas Bowl, we got Buffalo taking on Charlotte. Buffalo at currently a six-and-a-half-point favorite. And, KT, you're starting off strong. You like? I like Buffalo, man. I mean, this team is good. I like Lance Leopold, too. He's a pretty good coach. And last year, they took it on the chin as far as in a bowl game. I know they lost their quarterback early on, Myers, and then Van Trees took over. And initially, I thought this kid Van Trees was an absolute downgrade majorly. And uh, lo and behold, he kind of picked things up. But it's really more on Buffalo's defense. I like the way this team hits, Brad, and I think they're going to take care of business. Plus, they're going against a Charlotte team that just has trouble scoring. Charlotte's defense isn't too bad, but they do struggle against the pass, and that's where I'm looking for Buffalo to exploit them. I think Buffalo's a double-digit winner here. I just like the way that this team plays. They're more efficient on both sides of the ball. Charlotte, give them credit. Seven and five. I mean, this is a new kid on the block as far as Division One. 
give them credit for that big bowl game. But at the end of the day, I think Buffalo is going to tattoo them. Hopefully they don't get you know complacent when you go to a place like the Bahamas. Got to make sure your kids are focused. So I'm going to start off wimpy to no surprise. KT starts off with the largest arms in the world, the, the largest arms to enter Gold's Gym Daddy. He starts off strong with a like. I'm going to be wimpy here, and here's why. I checked the weather today because I'm like, I, I like the over here. I think Charlotte uh, can get some yardage and some points on Buffalo, and I think Buffalo can exploit, like Ken was mentioning, that Charlotte defense. So why am I watching this screen light up on the under? Then I looked at the weather, thunderstorms, heavy rain, 25-mile-an-hour wind is in the forecast. I actually think that helps one team. That helps Buffalo. Because Buffalo has not only one, but two thousand yard rushers. And if it's sloppy conditions and you're compromised throwing the football, why not turn around, hand it off to a guy like Jarrett Patterson, who's coming off a game against Bowling Green? He played like 35 minutes and had six touchdowns and nearly 300 rushing yards. I was originally wanting to take the over, but the weather forecast has me backing off a little bit. And now you're not going to get disagreement with me on the Buffalo side, KT. There you go. Mark's another good running back, like you said, over 1,000 yards himself and a pretty solid offensive line. So I agree with you there. Boy, that is uh, crazy. Imagine you go, hey, honey, we're going to go. We're going to hang out in the Bahamas. I got you all set up. You get there. Thunderstorms. Mm. And if you remember past editions of this, there's kind of like a carefree attitude. Teams are are sitting there. There's, it's not high intensity, and you see a lot of offense. You look at the Western Kentucky Central Michigan game. Oh, FIU that. Toledo last year was a high flying game, especially a lot of points scoring late. So doesn't look like that'll be the case here. The total's down four points, and that got hit today as we're taping on Tuesday because of the weather concerns. Again, a like on Buffalo from Ken Thompson. Let's move along here since we do have 39 bowl games to get to. This is also on Friday, December 20th, Frisco Bowl down there in Frisco, Texas, appropriately named bowl game here. And we got Kent State taking on Utah State. Now, another big line mover. So earlier today, Utah State's about a seven, and a half, a seven, seven and a half point favorite here. Current line as we're taping Tuesday night, four and a half point favorite for Utah State. Why? Several Utah State players came out just a couple hours ago Got busted for pot, including quarterback Jordan Love, who's already announced his intentions to leave early for the NFL draft, but he was going to play in this game. But because of those players, including the quarterback Jordan Love, we've seen a ton of money flooding into the marketplace on Kent State, down to four and a half. I lean Kent State, who should be excited to be here. Why? Only the second bowl game for Kent State. Since 1972, they've only been to two, with this being one of them since 1972. Young, exciting head coach, Sean Lewis. But I was already worried about Utah State with a lack of focus with Jordan Love, their quarterback. Been a little bit of a disappointing season for the Aggies. I lean Kent State plus four and a half. You got anything, KT, here? No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, Sean Lewis doing a great job there with the Golden Flashes. I really, you know, as you know, looked at this team that opening night in Tempe against Arizona State. They covered by a point in that game, but at the end of the day, it looked like a team that had some focus going all the way out there for that opener, and you saw it throughout the season. This team never gave up on itself, kept pushing. Lo and behold, came up with some big wins, including a major come-from-behind victory uh, with a couple weeks to go, and that catapulted them to get into this bowl game. Boy, that's tough with Jordan Love, and you just wonder, you know, on the marijuana front, 
uh, with so many states legalizing it for recreational use, you know, how long we're looking at to where we've already seen Major League Baseball come out and say, we're not even testing for it next year. We're concerned about opioids and steroids and things like yep. that. So it's probably just a matter of time before you see less testing as far as with the marijuana. But there, what happens, Brad, and I remember uh, when I was calling games for a university basketball-wise, and I saw a bunch of these guys. I just happened to be in the coach's office. Not really, you know, I was waiting for him, and all of a sudden on his desk were these things. And I saw, like, little bits of, of, of tests and stuff where guys had THC in their system but wasn't enough for them to be suspended, I guess, or they got some type of warnings because the schools handle this stuff internally. Now, when you go play a bowl or when you play in an NCAA tournament, then it is that, le- you know, the NCAA I steps don't in. I don't the case of the bowl. NCAA, I think it could That's be. what I'm saying. I'm yeah. saying the NCAA then steps in. Like as far as uh, we remember UNLV, they had one of their players suspended. Random drug test. All of a sudden they step in. They pick players randomly sometimes, not the whole team. And if you're one of those guys, you can end up getting suspended. And could be uh, could be something here. But for Jordan Love, you know, it's probably an embarrassment for him and his family. You come out, you say, I'm the guy. Lo and behold, you know, this is not good as far as for a pro team to look at him. Although we remember Tunsil with the, you know, the, the, the gas mask on there at Ole Miss. And, you know, I, I don't know. He's doing pretty good in the NFL. So we'll see. Yeah, but it still costs him millions of dollars yep. on that one. Again, that's a recapping the Frisco Bowl, Lean Kent State for me. Uh, moving along here, Fast and Furious, again, 39 games to get to. New Mexico Bowl, Albuquerque. we got San Diego State right now, a three-and-a-half-point favorite over Central Michigan. I'll lead this one off. I'm leaning San, San Diego State here. They played the tougher schedule. Uh, to me, there's some familiarity with New Mexico, uh, especially defensive coordinator, it looks like, for San Diego State. Danny Gonzalez is going to be the new head coach at New Mexico. He served under Rocky Long there. So there's some familiarity with the site. And, and I'm going to be very specific here, and you're going to hear this a lot. I, I, I don't like the MAC in bowl games. Last three years, the MAC. Four and ten against the spread in bowl games. They're, they're falling short of expectations. There's been a couple pushes in there by about seven and a half points per game against the number. As far as straight up, MAC teams two and fifteen the last three years. This is not the same conference when I was going to school and Ben Roethlisberger was quarterback in my Ohio. And you had guys like you know a couple years before I got there, you had Randy Moss and Chad Pennington and, and whatnot at, at Marshall, and then Byron Lethwich. And you don't have coaches like Gary Pinkle and Urban Meyer roaming the sidelines, completely outclassed in bowl games here. And I think they'll they'll get slightly outclassed here. Now the worry is, you know, Central Michigan should be excited. KT, they're one eleven last year, getting a bowl game first year under Jim McElwain. He's got familiarity with this conference at least. Uh, he actually coached in the New Mexico Bowl Cup a few years back when he's back at Colorado State. So just for me, a lean on San Diego State. Minus the three and a half. You got anything here? Yeah, I agree with you 100% because Rocky Long, first off, he did such a great job in New Mexico for a long time. So there'll be people that, you know, grab the seats. There's Look, New Mexico's a great place to go there. Those people love their football. They wish they had a pro team. They don't, but they support. Whether Even in Las Cruces, they're going to get some fans there. But over there in Albuquerque, it's big time as far as football. They'll appreciate going down there and watching Rocky Long's defense. Always a good, solid defense. Really liked them, and I was not impressed with Central Michigan in the MAC championship game there at Ford Field. I thought, you know, sooner or later, this offense is going to get going. I did not like the way Dormady played, and if he had trouble going against the Miami, Ohio Good defense, call. 
they're going to be in trouble going up against the San Diego State defense. If San Diego State had any type of passing offense, and Agnew, of course, was the guy. Uh, Carson Baker made his starting debut in the, uh, in the finale there. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think the defense will dictate here, San Diego State, if they can cause a couple turnovers, uh, have some short fields, I think they can open it up and get the cover. But Rocky Long going back to where he did so much damage as a head coach for New Mexico. And, of course, that San Diego State defense to me and the lack of offense that we saw from Central Michigan with Dormady. Now, if Lazaro was going to play, I like that kid. I think that kid, maybe he can pass the ball okay, but I liked him. He came in. He was the spark of that Central Mish offense and ran the ball. Every time he tucked it under and ran, I thought they were in pretty good shape. I like that guy. He's a big boy. And if he goes you know, more so than Dormady, I think Central Michigan may be in better shape. There you go. Recapping it. Lean San Diego State from old Brad Powers. Moving along. Cure Bowl, Orlando, Florida for this one. We have Georgia Southern, a five-point favorite over Liberty. I lean with the side in total here. First off, lean, Liberty, plus the five for me, a lean here. Got to be excited for Liberty. Why it's their first ever bowl game in school history here. Uh, clearly, they've exceeded expectations. What worries me is, who is Liberty beating this year? A couple of wins over uh, New Mexico State, a couple of FCS wins. Not a lot of quality wins on the schedule here for Liberty so far, but I do lean with them here, and they got extra time to prep for the option. I also lean over, and a lot of it is, you know, Liberty doesn't have the personnel. Even though they got extra time to prep for the option, they don't have the personnel necessarily to practice against it to, to at least give their defense a good look. Vice versa, Georgia Southern, I don't think they're going to face too many passing attacks as experienced as what they'll see with Gandy Golden, at wide receiver mm-hmm. for for Liberty, and obviously a multiple-year starter quarterback in Stephen uh, uh, Calvert for him. So over for me, lean over, and Liberty. What say you, KT? No, I agree with you. The same thing. I mean, in Mack and Hickson, they combined over 1,600 yards, nearly six yards of carry, but really that passing combination, you talked about it. Calvert can wing that football, and Gandy Golden, I mean, this guy, 1,333 yards, 74 catches, nine touchdowns. Hey, that's three straight 1,000-yard-plus seasons for Gandy Golden. This kid's got a chance to play at the next level. I agree with you. Uh, it is always tough to prepare for that option. They'll have some time. They should be ready. I lean Liberty, too. Nearly pulled the trigger on this one, but I ended up just leaning. Again, lean Liberty plus the five. And, and just in case uh, total, I didn't give it out. Over 58 right now. Over 58, Liberty, Georgia Southern. Moving along. Hey, man, we're starting off on fire here. How about this for the next game? Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. And we're going to the Boca Raton Bowl down there in Boca Raton, Florida. Best bet for me on opening Saturday for the College Bowl action. I'm going SMU, baby, minus the three over Florida Atlantic, and it's two major reasons here. Number one, I am playing against a Florida Atlantic team with an interim coach. Why? That interim coach, Glenn Spencer, he's a first-year coach with FAU, so he doesn't have a long-time history with the players, even though they showed some support for him. It's not like he recruited them and has been there for multiple years. He doesn't have a chance to get the permanent gig. Why? FAU just hired Willie Taggart. So I think you've got a substitute teacher effect there. Uh, with Glenn Spencer, the interim coach for FAU. 
On the other side, I got an SMU team that played the much tougher schedule, and typically you don't get this when you got two group of five teams playing one another in bowl action, but you do here. You're just looking at the Jeff Sager and strength of schedule rankings, about 40 spots stronger SMU. To me, what's the point value there? Two points, and that's going back to my Phil Steele days um, when we were handicapping bowls. For every 20 spots of difference as far as strength of schedule goes, what we thought that was worth about a point, and I, I thought one of the ma- the things I'm most proud of from my time there was how we handicapped bowls, and I've used a lot of those lessons moving forward last five, six years uh, at pregame and out on my own. Best bet for me, again, a team that's going to be focused, in my opinion, that will be happy to be there in a bowl game in Florida, SMU, minus three, best bet for me. What do you say, KT? I'm listening to you on that one. Reason being is Florida Atlantic was in this bowl game a couple years ago, and they just pummeled Akron 50-3. to That Akron team was one of the worst teams right. ever to make a bowl game. Exactly. And you look at uh, staying home, staying, you know, not going anywhere. So how excited are you going to be? You don't, you don't have your coach. You're staying home. You know, bowl season, even for these teams that win their conference at a level like Florida Atlantic, you want to go somewhere else. You don't always want to be in your backyard. And so no excitement there. Staying home, going to be in that same routine. Yeah, SMU comes in there. It's a Sonny Dykes team that we know, you know, a couple of injuries uh, really probably sort short-circuited them to having a chance, a legitimate chance to win the AAC. And they had that run. They were unbeaten for a while. But when you lose one of your top two receivers, that really, you know, Reggie Roberson was out for a few games. That was major because when you have these two guys, guys, you know, all of a sudden one of them is out. You're looking at the other one getting double covered a lot, and that took away from that offense. So I agree with you there. I think SMU is probably the right side here. Lane Kiffin, of course, on his way to Ole Miss. So it's just going to be tough for this team to get at least motivated. Not that they don't have a good squad, because there's no doubt there's plenty of weapons on this team. Robinson, a very good quarterback for FAU, Chris Robinson. And then you also have a couple receivers that are outstanding, including the tight end Bryant and wide receiver D'Angelo Antoine. At the end of the day, I think Florida Atlantic, because of the lack of motivation, probably going to get beat here. I'm going to jump on Brad's bandwagon. This was not one of my plays, but after listening to the logic with Brad Powers talking over the last couple days about this game, I played SMU. All right, recapping again. Best bet for me, SMU minus three. Agreement. Ken Thompson also likes SMU. Also Saturday, Camellia Bowl, Montgomery, Alabama. Currently Arkansas State, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I am leaning with FIU here, and to me it comes down to power ratings. I haven't mentioned too many of them. And, guys, just uh, you know, a little overarching theme here. Power ratings don't necessarily come into play too much this time of year. Why? I think number one, first and foremost, number one factor in handicapping bulls, motivation. Some teams have it, some teams don't. And if you can correctly handicap motivation, I think you're set to having at least a good start to your bowl season. But handicapping who has that motivation sometimes can be difficult. So power rating for me says FIU should be the team favorite here. So that's one reason why I'm leaning FIU. And I also like Butch Davis, another handicapping philosophy, what you need to use this time of year. How do team, uh, how do coaches do in bowl games? It's a completely different scenario. Multiple weeks leading up to it, a lot of distractions. How does the team handle the travel situation? Butch Davis, whether he's been at Miami, Florida, or North Carolina, or right here at FIU, Seven and two against the spread in bowl games, not too shabby. Blake Anderson, the head coach for Arkansas State, one and four against the number in bowl games. For me, that adds up to me. Oh, Brad Powers leaning with FIU. 
What do you say? I'm going to agree with you. Another be, agreement. Yeah, We're going to get well, some action Well, here's, here? the, here's the thing. I mean, James Morgan's an we adequate quarterback. You sound like the sports investors on a Saturday morning. Great pick. <laughs> Love that pick. Oh, it couldn't be more right. I, I used to say that with Bra- Brady Cannon, who's over at VEASAN now, and Mark Lawrence. Mark was on every Wednesday. And Brady go, yeah, I, I agree, Mark. I agree. And then finally I was like, you know, Peter Marshall on Hollywood Squares. I'm like, all right, listen, circle gets yeah. a square. There's no more freaking agreements, man. Let's, uh, all right. let's disagree. But, no, I actually hear – I think uh, FIU is a team under Butch Davis that's going to play with some motivation here. And you're right. I like this Arkansas State team, but they, you know, went through a quarterback and they struggled a little bit. I do like, you know, uh, rooting for a guy like Blake Anderson. I mean, the poor guy lost his wife to breast cancer. And, you know, we remember Georgia earlier in the year honoring them. Remember, well. Yeah, I did. Honoring him by, yeah, dressing up the fans in pink. 47 nothing. I was like 50 to nothing. (laughs) I bet Arkansas State. I was was with you. Dumpster fire. (laughs) Exactly. I remember. I'm like, ah, Georgia will just, they'll take it easy on them. You know, they're not going to. Yeah, they're laying 35. They won't run it up. (laughs) Wow. Awful. Unbelievable. Yeah, it was, (laughs) we we didn't have a prayer in that game. But listen, this Florida international team, it's sometimes, you know, during the season, I lost, when they went to Middle Tennessee and lost 50 to 17, I was like, this team's. This team's hurting big time. But then bounce back and beat Miami of Florida. You know, Butch going against his old school. I thought that was cool. That let me know if he motivates this team and has them focused, they can beat teams. I think he'll have them focused here. I'm looking for Florida International to get the W here. Game's in Montgomery, Alabama. So, you know, not a far joint for either team. End of the day, I'm going to rely on Butch Davis. I think the guy's a solid coach. Fair enough. Recapping of both leans from the guys on FIU plus the two and a half. Move along to Vegas, the Las Vegas Bowl. It's a good one, a really good one. Washington taking on Boise State. Right now, Washington, a three and a half point favorite. Uh oh, Fezzik comes in. Remember, Fezzik, you know, he does okay in the college football dream preview, unless he's betting one of us. He likes Boise State. Man, I, I was wanting some action. I think I'm going to get some. That'll be a sound drop. Uh, yeah, I'll bet him on that, even though I had only a lean on Washington. Give me give me Washington here. I'll upgrade it to a like just so I can bet Fez. Why not? He's 1-15 in these bets. Uh, to me, I already played Washington. Now, I do have one factor that concerns me a little bit, but obviously the final game for Chris Peterson, the head coach for the Huskies, uh, Jimmy Lake's promoted from within. He's the defense coordinator. Now he's going to get the permanent gig. I think Washington should be focused. thing that concerns me is Hunter Bryant, their leading receiver, the tight end. He's out, going to skip the game. Left tackle Trey Adams going to sit out. And it is against the Boise State team that usually plays well in these games. But, I mean, I got to think Washington is such a high-variance team this year. There'll be quarters. There'll be individual. There'll be halves. There'll be individual games for Washington. To me, that looks like a top fifteen clear cut team. And then they'll have a game where they go out and lose to Cal, or, or, or they'll lose. Uh, you know, the, the, how many? I think they lost three games as a double digit favorite this year. Cal being one of them. Uh, at times they looked apart. I think they'll look apart in the final home game for Chris Peterson for just out of spite because I, I I want some you know some movement going along in this podcast. I'm going to fade Steve Fezzik. His like on Boise State, I'm going to like Washington. You're going to break the tie here? KD? You know what? I'm not. And here's the thing. I mean, I look at uh, Boise State as well because, you know, when I saw them play Oregon here in the uh, Vegas Bowl, Las Vegas Bowl, I remember they just destroyed Oregon. I know Royce yep. Freeman sat out of that game. 
But Harson's going to have these guys motivated. We look at that Chris Peterson deal, okay, going against his old school. So, you know, there's the motivation there. And I agree with that 100%. Right, you talk about Adams on the O-line and Hunter Bryan on the uh, tight end position and plays at tight end, you know, more like a hybrid wide receiver uh, with some power. And I think he'll excel at the next level. But what I'm looking at now is the under in this game. And I know it's hard to do that when you're in Las Vegas, but when you take a guy like Hunter Bryan away from the offense and then knowing that Washington, their new coach is the D.C., so they're going to be fired up as well to play for their new coach to be, not only their coach going out that's going up against his old team. So I'm going to look at the under 49.5 a little bit there. As far as the side, yes, I want to play Washington on the Peterson thing, motivation, but it's a team that has lacked offense at times and going against that Boise defense it's going to be motivated I've seen this game on the sidelines several times because Boise's not going into this game going ah it's just the Las Vegas Bowl that is the reward when you win the Mountain Conference you get the Las Vegas Bowl that is the bowl that you are playing to get to and trust me Boise travels very well. I expect Washington to bring some people. There's a lot of Washington alumni all over Southern California and close to Vegas, so maybe they get here and kind of tie the trip to Vegas in with a little trip. I think there'll be a good contingency from both sides, but more so from Boise State. And Boise State knows the lay of the land. They're here almost every year, so I think they're going to go through it status quo. They know the whole thing, and uh, that's why I don't go with either side. I'm going to go with the under in the game. Under for KT, again, a crossfire. Steve Fezzik and myself, I got Washington. He has Boise State. You mentioned you did bring up a good point, KT. I did give Boise State my power ratings half point for already playing here this year. I mean, just familiarity with the venue. All right, that's Las Vegas Bowl. Again, moving along here. Got about 32 more bowl games here to, to go to. New Orleans Bowl, again, we're still on that opening Saturday on December the 21st. Right now, Appalachian State, a 17-point favorite against UAB. Uh, I'm leading UAB here. You got another team here in Appalachian State that has, you know, quote-unquote interim Sean Clark, but he is getting the permanent gig. So you don't have the substitute teacher effect for Appalachian State here. Sean Clark played at App State. He's been, uh, you know, uh, an assistant coach here for multiple years, so does have a lot of familiarity. So it's not, in my opinion, as big of a negative as, let's say, the Florida Atlantic situation, where I do think there's a substitute teacher effect. It's a lean on UAB for me, who was just embarrassed in, in the Conference USA Championship game. I should know I had Florida Atlantic. I won one for a change. About time. I <laughs> After the season I've had on best bets. Here, I probably <laughs> needed one of those uh, for a change, uh, an easy blowout winner. But I'm going to play on him in this case. I, I do believe in Bill Clark, their head coach, and I think he'll get him turned around here. And, again, 17 is a huge number to be laying, especially with, with, with a lot of moving variables with App State. UAB, for me, Aileen, what say you? I'm just going to pass it. I think there's too many points there as far as uh, for me to take a shot on Appalachian State because I like App State and I like their suffocating defense, liked what they did. Uh, against UL Lafayette for a long time in that championship game in the Sun Belt. Of course, uh, uh, the Raging Cajuns ended up coming back in that last minute touchdown and end up pushing that number for most people, actually covered for some as well. Uh, your take as far as 
this game makes good sense to me as far as UAB and the coach. So I'm going to stay away from this one. It's just not a game that I want to get involved in because I don't want to go up against Appalachian State. I think they're a much more complete team than this UAB team. I do like UAB coming back from that, you know, losing the program and coach being there and a good motivator. But I'm not sold on that team being able to score points. And App State's defense is suffocating at times. So unless Clark really has these guys motivated, uh, Hopkins has to have some type of decent game if uh, unless Tyler Johnston is able to do something. And we know he He's thrown 14 interceptions. That's another problem there for UAB. Just too many turnovers via the airwaves. So I'll stay away because you're right. The number probably right around there. I see this game, App State winning by double digits, but I don't want to lay 17. Again, lean UAB from Brad Powers, New Orleans Bowl. Moving along here. How about this one? I like this. The Gasparilla Bowl, Tampa, Florida. This is on a Monday. Uh, Central Florida, a 17 and a half point favorite here, playing relatively close to home. About what, ninety minutes away on I four there, Tampa to Orlando. You know that drive, KT? Yeah, I do. I actually, that's I, not a, a pleasant drive. That I four there, that I four corridor. If you're from Florida, I, I got relatives there, so I know that's that's a precarious drive from time to time. Okay, how about this? Hitchhiked from St. Petersburg, which is not yeah. far from Tampa, all the way to Fort Lauderdale. Oh wow, thirteen hours, thirteen rides. Really? Got An to Al- got to Alligator Alley. Yeah. Right before oh. going on there. And this is now this is back in uh late seventies because I was a teenager. Yeah. Right? Late seventies. A teenager hitchhiking? My, South Florida? This is this is my this is back in the day, yeah. man. This is back when you could survive, although Alligator Alley check the this, gators now, don't get you. Well here here's the thing. You have to get that one ride there at forty miles and stuff. So uh this cop actually pulled us over and we knew the rules when you're hitchhiking it's legal as long as you are on the curb if you're in the street they can get you uh as far as for it being illegal so we were legal and you know we're hitchhiking it was me and my buddy ron and we're trying to get you know to fort lauderdale that's where we wanted to be from the west coast get to the east coast there everybody party in fort lauderdale lo and behold we got pulled over we got a ride we went over there and we looked it was three guys coming back from a wedding. The one guy was actually the groom, but yeah. he was so hammered. His buddies were taking him back to the house and uh, trying to sober him up so he'd be able to go on to the uh, honeymoon the following day. These guys were in Texas. It was a great time, and they took us right to the Fort Lauderdale airport. But prior to that, a cop had actually pulled over and said, hey, you guys want to be careful who you get in the car with yeah. because there's been some bodies that have been showing up there and, uh, you know, some bones and stuff over there. And all of a sudden, there we are going like, what, what's going on here? So we're wow. real careful. Yeah, a l- little scary there. People getting dropped over there. Alligator Alley, man, not a place, you know, that you want to be. And I remember. Was Brad, it during the day at least? It was, it was, uh, it was getting dusk. It was, you know. Oh, my God. Because yeah, li- if you've ever driven Alligator Alley at nighttime. And you see oh. the eyes of the alligators, man. Well, it's just not that. It's just dark. There's, there's like no, obviously. No civilization. It's yeah, right through that. Where you want to run out of gas? That's for sure. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> no. Well, there's some places drive up to Reno. You want to uh, run out of gas? That would not be on my bucket list. On your bucket list. But I remember because we were kids, and one of the things we did on the vacation go to Bush Gardens, of course, you know Disney World, all that stuff. But the main thing was going to Silver Springs, yep. and they had these glass-bottom glass boats. boats. You know it. Yes. And going there and seeing all those freaking alligators, man, yeah. I had nightmares forever. Like, that glass is going to break, yeah. and these things are going to eat me. And you see like 50 of them underneath the boat, and you're going like, man, I hope this glass is good, man. I'm telling you, that's a scary thing for a young guy to go through. Yeah, 
I know that well. Nice. KT, I like Good that. Stuff, wow. KT knows the glass bottom bolt. Yeah, baby. Silver Springs, baby. Hopefully that resonates with a few of you listening out there. Oh, yeah, but on that notice, uh, you know, as far as the Gasparilla Bowl, that's what we're talking yeah, right here. I like it. So I'm going to pony up here. I like Marshall plus a 17 and a half. I like it. I bet it. Here, two reasons why. Number one, Doc Holliday. He's the head coach for Marshall. How's he doing bowl games? I don't think there's anybody better. 6-0 and straight up, wins them by 13. 6-0 ATS, covers them by 11 points per game. 6-0 and straight up and against the spread. He's getting 17 and a half. I get it. He hasn't played any Central Floridas in that six-game run. But on top of it, if you're familiar with the Marshall program, Doc Holliday, a really good recruiter, was at Florida under Urban Meyer, knows the, the, the area very well, recruits the state of Florida. How well? How about this? 30 players, 30 players on Marshall's roster from the state of Florida. So this will be kind of a homecoming of, uh, of uh, sorts for Marshall. I like Marshall getting a hefty number here, plus 17 and a half against UCF. What say you? You know, I was leaning there, but I think you're going to convince me to go. I'm going to take Marshall as well. I love Doc Holliday. Yeah, he's a guy that gets the most out of his players over there in West Virginia, a guy that uh, knows the tradition of a proud program and uh, thundering herd. I think they'll be ready to play this game. Uh, Josh Heupel's team also not the best chalk. Two and seven, their last nine as favorites. So that's another factor there. I was leaning. I think Central Florida is going to win the game, but I think the game's going to be 10 points or less. So I'm going to take Marshall on those points. Brad, you talked me into that. All right. Again, a like on Marshall and a like on Marshall from KT. More agreement. We're going to get some disagreement here later on in the program. Won't be this game, though. Next up on the docket, Christmas Eve, Hawaii Bowl. It is BYU against Hawaii. BYU, a two-point road favorite here. And, Ken, you like in this one, the home dog. I do. I'm going to stay with my guy, Rolovich, even though he's ticked me off at times this year. Uh, <laughs> you know, and especially in the Mountain West Championship game against B, uh, Boise State up there, and Boise a second crack there. But had a chance to go up 6-3. In fact, did go up 6-3 in the first half on a field goal. But he takes the, the points off the board because of a penalty by Boise State and moves the ball from the three to the one and a half, half the distance, and then just a ridiculous play that had no chance and got blown up on the two-yard line. And so all of a sudden it's there, still tied at three, and Boise State ends up coming down, changing the whole game, a 10-point swing. Just didn't like it. Sometimes I don't want to take points off the board. I was just not impressed with the play calling there. Rolovich had just gotten Mountain West Coach of the Year, and I even tweeted out I thought it was his worst half of coaching, the first half. But I do like the speed of the receivers. I've talked about it all year. And BYU, as much as I like you know this team when they play in Provo, I think they're going to struggle here. I think Hawaii's going to have some fans there. Yes, BYU will have a contingency too because the LDS contingency yep. over there on the islands is big as well, and people will look forward to seeing the blue and white out there. But I think there's just too much speed with these Hawaii receivers. I think the offensive line, because it's a veteran O-line, will not get pushed around in the trenches. So Hawaii will score. It's whether or not BYU is going to be able to match those scores. I don't think they are. I think somewhere along the line, they are not going to match scores, and they are going to get whipped on the turf. The turf is better for a speed team. Speed team Hawaii, they are getting healthy now. So give me the Rainbow Warriors. They are minus. Uh, they're actually plus in this game. I think they're going to win this game uh, somewhere by 7 to 15 points, and I'm going to take Hawaii. Agreement for me. Uh, I lean there. I, I just think Rolovich is better than Sataki. Kalani Sataki is the head coach for BYU. I know he got an extension. Just not that impressed. Uh, just the inconsistency for BYU. 
you, know, you, you beat the uh, USC's and the Tennessee's of the world, but you're losing to Toledo and South Florida, and, and you know you put up three points against San Diego State in the finale. Just I, I just don't get the consistency there. I do think Hawaii will be fired up. Don't have too much. This is more of a really small lean for me. I'd prefer to get the, the full three, the field goal. I'm not sure it gets there. Lean Hawaii, but KT does like the Rainbow Warriors there. He likes Hawaii. Moving along, this is the day after Christmas. Going to the Independence Bowl, Shreveport, Louisiana, where Louisiana Tech playing Miami. Miami, a six-point favorite here. Big money has come in here in the first you know, week and a half, uh, yeah, about a week and a half of bowl action here as far as the, the early money. Clearly on the dog here. Miami in some places opened up double-digit favorite. Now it's down to six. A lot of guys sitting out for Miami. Jeff Thomas, their wide receiver being one of them. But, man, I think all of that's factored into this point spread. Uh, Miami has played the, the, the much tougher schedule. I do give Louisiana Tech for playing close to home about a point. Uh, I mean, Miami's not going to travel well. La Tech will have the crowd edge. I think they'll be more excited to be there, uh, obviously. And that, that's the question for me. How motivated will Miami be here? They better be. I mean, this was – I thought a dead cat could get Miami to 9-3 uh, and three this year with the schedule they played, and yet they're sitting here at 6-6. Six and six. Uh, Head coach Skip Holtz, good in bowl games. He's the La Tech head coach, 7-3 and three straight up and against the spread in bowl games. Even though I think a lot of this, all of this is priced in the number – with Miami only laying six, I'll lean La Tech. I just can't bet Miami here. What do you think, KT? Well, here's the thing. I, I think La Tech's got a good chance to win this football game. I agree with you as far as uh, several key players being out for Miami of Florida, including on the D-line, Garvin and Hill. I think that's major right there. You're losing not one, but two guys there. I mean, Garvin had nine tackles for loss and five sacks. Trayvon Hill... 27 tackles on the year, but four of them, four and a half of those were sacks as well. He's a transfer coming over from Virginia Tech. So that's two key losses right there for Miami of Florida. And you look at La Tech. They lost that opener, which was very deceiving against Texas and Austin, where yardage was pretty much identical, but they just couldn't come through, missed a bunch of field goals, and yeah. played a sloppy game. I had game. La Tech. I did too. You and I got off uh, to a tough start in that game. Look, I know the Canes. I, I think they're a better team when Williams goes. But Jamar Smith, the quarterback for La Tech, is the guy that really short-circuited this team. They were on a great run. Eight straight a, wins. Eight straight wins, and lo and behold, he gets a two-game suspension. That really crushed them, but he came back for the finale. Three, three touchdowns, uh, albeit against UTSA. End of the day, I think that they are going to win this game outright. Wow. Got, yeah, I got him by a touchdown over Miami of Florida because, like you said, how, by a how how motivated is Miami of Florida going to be? Yes, I've got him winning in Shreveport by a touchdown. La That's Tech. a like for you. That's a like. Like La Tech, KT. Just a lean. Just a lean for me, Brad Powers, because, man, six is a pretty short number. Staying on December 26th, quick lane bowl, Detroit, Michigan, KT rocking and rolling here. Uh, looks like he's going to take the big dog here. Eastern Michigan getting 11 points playing close to home there in, in Detroit. You like Eastern? Yeah, I'm going to take Eastern uh, venue. I mean, here we go. We're uh, going to be in Detroit, Michigan, so why not take a shot at these uh, Michigan teams? We saw Central Michigan, even though they came up short against Miami of Ohio, they had a ton of fans there at Ford Field in that MAC championship. Eastern game. Michigan can't get fans to come to their home stadium. They're going to go to Detroit because they've all moved game? to Detroit. You kidding all me? Right. They're, all, they're, they're all they've all graduated. Delaney's only like a twenty minute drive. All right, uh, try, you will see more green and white there than you will see as far as Pittsburgh. How motivated is Pittsburgh to go to the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit? You kidding me? You're <laughs> going 
from, you're going to go from one, you know, a steel town there in Pittsburgh. You're going to go to another working town there in Detroit. There's not a lot of motivation. I know it's one city to another. End of the day, this is big for Eastern Michigan just to make a bowl game. And I think I'm going to take the points. Uh, look, I like Pittsburgh. I really like their defense. And, you know, the, the quarterback is tough because Pickett at times has looked really, really good. And when we look back, Brad, all the way back, I think it was, what, week two or three when they played Penn State, they had a chance to win that game. Yep. I thought they outplayed Penn State. I had them. They covered the number. end up losing by a touchdown. But just showed me a lot about Narduzzi as a guy that, gosh dang it, man, take a chance. You're on the half-yard line. What are you doing kicking a field goal or trying to? How about they missed it? They end up missing the field goal. Well, wait a second. Rolovich. He's taking points off the board. He's going conservative. You're questioning that, and now you're questioning Narduzzi for being conservative. I'm questioning it in the situation. The situation was a road game uh, for a championship, and, and you know, to where neither team was moving the ball, Hawaii and Boise State, in a game where the total was astronomical. You're thinking you're going to get a ton of points, but that game was in the rain in Boise. So I think you know when you work a drive and you get all the way down, you know, to the three yard line, and it's fourth down, you get the field goal. The field goal was good and you take the points off the board, that's different. Pitt didn't even get the field goal, and I didn't like it. And it was late in the game. You're talking, what, first, what, late first, early second quarter versus fourth quarter, five minutes left. Yeah, Uh, well, you know, and I I really didn't – you know, each game – each decision to me is going to be one that's going to be made based on how the game's going. And I'm watching the rain going there in Boise. And I just thought, you know what, when you're on the road and you've already been whipped by this team because of your turnovers in the first half of game number one during the regular season up there in Boise, then you know what, you can have that lead, take the three points, it's already through, and then try and tack on, and then you'll be up by two scores. Worst case scenario, they come down, they score on their next possession, you're still only down four points, worst case scenario. But uh, I thought that was a major motivational lift for Boise State when they got that stop. Here I'm going to look, though, at Eastern Michigan, and most of it's on the venue, Brad. I'm just thinking Eastern Mich, they're going to be motivated. I don't see the Pitt guys being very motivated, but I do like some of the players on that Pittsburgh defense, especially on that defensive line. Yeah, I mean, that, that's obviously the big edge here. Whenever you got a double-digit favor, you got to ask, you ask yourself, what's the motivation? I don't see it for Pitt. And uh, on top of it, I don't want to lay doubles with a Pitt offense that struggles. 20 points per game is all Pittsburgh's offense struggled all year. Do you really want to lay double digits with an offense that's averaging 20 points per game, especially with questionable motivation? I don't. I lean Eastern Michigan. KT likes Eastern Michigan. More agreement. Again, We'll keep teasing further ahead. Hopefully we get some disagreement. Maybe it's this game. We're going to the Military Bowl here in Annapolis, Maryland. Right now, North Carolina, a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I'll lead it off. North Carolina, I'm going to lean with North Carolina. It's, it's, it's close to a like for me. If it goes down to four, I'm going to like it. And to me, it's mainly a fade against Temple's head coach, Rod Carey. So this is going to be uh, another theme throughout the podcast here. I like to see how coaches do in bowl games. Rod Carey, he's the Temple head coach, arguably the worst bowl coach. 0-6 straight up. He loses them by 25 points per game. 0-6 against the spread, fails to cover by 18 points per game. 0-6 straight up, 0-6 against the spread. That's Rod Carey, the Temple head coach. I get it. All those are at Northern Illinois, different school. We'll see if it changes here. I do think North Carolina is excited to get to a bowl game in the first year under Mac Brown, and I do think their true freshman quarterback, Sam Howell, will benefit from the extra 15 practices. Leaning North Carolina, 
What say you, KT? I hate to do this, but I like North Carolina. So, oh, wow. yeah, I'm not going not gonna to differ. Here's the thing. Matt you didn't Brown like just, them in the pre-duction. We're, we're doing a little pre-duction meeting here. You, did you mention North Carolina? Yeah, uh, there were so many that we were going yeah, over. All you right, may, all I, right. may have missed it. And, and here's why. I might have Matt, missed it. Well, Matt just got the extension yesterday, uh, contract extension. So they're they're happy with what they did. And I think that goes through 2023. Uh Look, I'm impressed with this North Carolina team. When you think they're a two-point conversion away from knocking off Clemson, and we see how Clemson's excelled since that game, you know, there's a lot to like about this North Carolina team. The ceiling is high. Look, I'm not saying that Temple hasn't done an adequate job, because they have since Matt Rule left. Another program that you thought may fall apart. We've seen Brian Harzen hold the torch there at Boise. When Peterson left, I thought that may fall apart. So I give guys a lot of credit that are able to keep programs elevated to where at least bowl status for Temple. It's hard to recruit football to Temple. You may get basketball, but football, I mean, who wants to go there? I mean, there's not a lot there. It's not really a football school. They are getting better home field advantages, uh, a better home field advantage over the last several years. And I watched this team just, you know, take out Maryland early in the year when Maryland went in there 2-0 and all and high Memphis. flying. Yeah, but that was the game to where Maryland went in there and Loxley thought, oh, I got the squad. They yeah. had just destroyed Syracuse after blowing out Howard 79 nothing. So we're all looking going, oh, man, this guy McFarlane, another guy we're forget about. And Temple, I was on Temple, and I watched that whole game, and Temple ended up winning the game. I was impressed there. Uh, this is a game, though, that I just think it's North Carolina's chance to take care of business and finish on a high note for Mac Brown and just kind of put an explanation point there at the end of the day. And like you said, four, four and a half, I'm going to lay it. I think they're good by a touchdown. KT likes North Carolina. Brad Powers leans North Carolina. Pinstripe Bowl here. This is the dream preview. Again, uh, for those of you listening, we're covering all 39 bowl games. Pinstripe Bowl, New York, New York, Yankee Stadium. Michigan State, a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going to give you guys a little clue here. You're going to lean in. One of these handicaps coming up here, I'm going to do a head fake and just give out a handicap for one team, and I really don't like them. I'm going to see if KT agrees, and what I'll do is I'll say, psych, and then I'll push the button. It won't be this one, though, because I don't have that strong of a handicap on this one. I lean Wake Forest, and to me it's – Mainly a play against the Michigan State football team, program, culture, whatever you want to call it. I mean, here's it. Didn't like what I saw all year from Michigan State for the most part. Even when, when a bowl game on the line, they're struggling against a, a dead cat uh, in the alley for three weeks, smelly Maryland team in the finale. I mean, Michigan State's laying three touchdowns. They got a fight claw and scratch just to win the game to get the ball eligibility. I think there's a lot more positivity around the Wake Forest program. I, I like the job Dave Clawson's done there. I like the quarterback, Jamie Newman. But just a lean for me on Wake Forest plus four and a half. Why? I think the ACC's overrated this year, and, and Wake Forest certainly benefited from it. What, what say you, KT? No, I am. I'm going to lean at Michigan State, and here's why. Oh, disagreement. Hold yeah. on, hold on. Yeah. You know what? This is going to be one in the trenches, and I think here's where Wake Forest is going to lose this football game. Sage Surratt was one of my favorite receivers during the regular season. That was a key blow for him to go out. I like this Wake Forest team, you know, when the offense is winging it around. You talked about Newman. He's solid, and he had three really good receivers, but they've been banged up. And when you lose a guy like Surratt, that's your all-everything guy. I think there is motivation for Michigan State here. You know why? Six and six, as they look at it, they're going like, what the hell happened, man? We were a dark horse for a lot of sharp handicappers to potentially come out of the East in the Big Ten. Yeah, we would have had to win in the horseshoe, 
Yeah, we would have had to win in the big house. But at the end of the day, a lot of us thought that defense may be good enough with Willekes and the guys to be there and be in that position. The offense with Lewerke and company, if you looked at his ratio of touchdowns to interceptions based against last year, you're saying, wow, they made leaps and bounds. But, man, did they struggle. And they just don't have that many weapons. But something tells me D'Antonio will have these guys focused and they're going to win this game in the trenches. And I saw that defense a couple times step up and take out teams where they outclassed. Here's the thing, the ACC, we know that that conference is fool's gold. Outside of Clemson, there's a lot of fraudulent teams in there. Wake Forest, a good team. With Surratt, I'm probably on them. Without him, I'm against them. Going to take a shot. I think Sparty wins it by a touchdown. Finally, finally, disagreement, but not a bet because it's just a lean for you on Michigan State. Yeah, lean just for me on Wake Forest. Number seems about right to me. Moving along, maybe we'll get some more disagreement here. I know we got one coming up. I can't wait to push. We will be pressing the green button soon. Oh uh, yeah, no, there's no question. You're gonna go uh, from a lean to a like in a couple games. I yeah, think. I know. I'm gonna do it. Got to. Have to. Nita, it's the holidays. I need to pay for. You know, I don't, no, I don't. no pun intended as he kind of lets you know where we're talking. Yeah. Not this one, though, I don't think. Texas Bowl, Houston, Texas, or Texas A&M in the Texas Bowl, laying seven. This is one I bet early, uh, and a lot of money's poured in on wait, A&M. Wait, wait, wait. You're not allowed to say that, are you? RJ's not here. Oh, okay, cool. All right, you got a I good line. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm gonna come. it's going to come around. So, I mean, bear with me. So, again, one of the – and Jimmy Vaccaro, I think, was the first guy to say this – What's the difference between pros and Joes? Although I haven't been a great pro this year. I mean, I haven't been a great college football year. One of the major differences, uh, Joes bet teams, pros bet numbers. I bet a number early on in bowl season on Texas A&M. Four was the number. Now it's seven. At seven, I lean Oklahoma State. And reason being for me is, you know, Texas A&M's got one of their key defensive linemen out for, for the game. Uh, maybe some questionable motivation, but it just to me comes down to that my number was about six, six and a half. That's why I bet AM early, but at seven, I lean Oklahoma State. I don't have much more than that. I think both coaches are relatively good in bowl games, very experienced. Mike Gundy and obviously uh, Jimbo Fisher for AM. I, I think both teams are going to be motivated here. Former, you know, Big 12, Big 8 rivals uh, back in the day, actually just Big 12 because AM was in the swack. Uh, just to lean Oklahoma State. What say you, KT? You know, if Spencer Sanders was healthy and was playing all year, that would be one thing. If Drew Brown had maybe a couple more games under his belt, maybe I look there as well. But I'm not sure if Hubbard's going to go in this game, and that's a ooh, big, I got to look at that. You though. know, Chuba Hubbard. Uh, that's the thing. You have a uh, you know still some time to where you can say, hey, I'm not going to go. And we know that this guy could opt out after this year and end up going to the pros. If he does that, he may sit out. So we'll wait and see how things pan out there. That's why I kind of just waited on this. I do like Okie State as a team. I love Gundy, but you know, right now with uh, the uncertainty of Chuba Hubbard maybe not playing in this game, I'm going to hold back. I agree with you. I think Texas A&M because of the Jimbo Fisher factor. I think we, you know, probably a little bit overrated. And when they go against good quality teams, they struggle. I mean, they play. The question is, is Oklahoma State one of those good quality? Well, that's the thing. I mean, we. I think with Chuba Hubbard on there, the offense is good enough. With Sanders running it, that's the difference between Sanders and Brown is that Sanders can take off and run a little bit better, in fact, a lot better, and that gives him a dual-threat quarterback to go with that solid running game. With Brown, you're more or less he's dropping back. He can wing the ball around, but you got to give him protection, and without Hubbard there, they're going to be too one-dimensional, 
uh, because you're not going to have somebody that's going to step in to run like Hubbard. So uh, it's a game that I'm going to stay away from. But I can see your side. Look, if Chuba Hubbard goes, maybe I get some late money down on the pokes. Yeah, and just uh, for those of you that maybe this is uh, the time of year where you get involved in college football, isolated games, you like betting bowls. You're not familiar with Texas A&M. Mike Gundy did call him already the greatest 7-5 and five team in the history of college football. I think there's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek there. But let's look at five losses for A&M. Clemson, Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, LSU. All five of those teams are in the top ten of my power ratings. I agree. You know, Lost and, five games to top ten teams. And remember, the game against Clemson, I know it was early on. but they, oh, they fought. They shut them out for the first 20 minutes of that game. That game was 3 nothing A&M, five minutes into the second quarter before – Lawrence, going out of bounds, finds a receiver in the back of the end zone on a, uh, a second and long because they had a penalty. It was something like a second and 12, and he fi- it looked like he was just going to go out of bounds, and then he makes one of these perfect sunshine-type passes. Beautiful play, and that changed that whole game. Of course, we did have A&M, and they got that backdoor four-down touchdown conversion pass at the end of the game to lose 24-10 and make us the money. And last I checked, Oklahoma State's not a top-10 team. There you go. So. 7-0 against teams not in the top 10 of Brad Power's uh, power ratings, A&M, that is. So not, nothing strong there. I lean Oklahoma State. Hopefully Chuba does play. I'll look at more in that. That's another good point. Uh, this is relatively new. I mean, this just what started with McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette, what, what, about four or five years ago. But now, I mean, with each passing year, you talk about more players in the transfer portal. How about, you know, more players skipping out bowl games? We're well over a dozen now, and that's never been the case. So... Make sure you're reading up on who's playing and who's not. Because a lot of times the market's a little bit slow this year to count for that news. Next up, Holiday Bowl. This is a good matchup. San Diego, California for this one. Iowa, a two-point favorite over Ken Thompson's USC Trojans. KT, what do you like here? All right, don't let Brad kid you, too, because he's a closet Trojan fan, even though he roots for the Domers. But uh, I'm on Southern Cal, and people look and go, ah, they're only going to the Holiday Bowl, San Diego. They're not going to be motivated. And you know Kirk Ferentz, his teams are always going to be ready to go for a bowl game. I agree with that to a point. Clay Hilton was retained by USC, okay? Bone, the, uh, the new AD, made the move, and he says, look, I'm keeping this guy around. I like what he's done. And I agree. I'm an SC fan. I like what Clay Helton has done. So we already screwed up and let Ogeron go. He was a player's coach. He was a guy that the players liked. And he was a guy that just didn't fit that USC, uh, you know, look. That, yeah, you know, that, that LA look, look. Yeah, like, you know, this is our guy. And everybody talking about Urban Meyer. And he's in LA already. And what a great move that'll be. Let Clay Helton go. And lo and behold, what does Helton do? He goes out and beats Utah, and that was Utah's only loss till they end up losing in the championship game there of the Pac-12. But at that time, they did it with a third-string quarterback. JT Daniels, their starter, went down early in the season. Opener. Keaton Slovis, a guy went down in that game, and then Matt Fink steps in and wins that game against Utah. But Slovis, to me, is the real deal. I like this kid. I think this kid's got a major upside. And look at SC. Michael Pittman, he's going to play in the NFL. There's no doubt. One of the top receivers there for Southern Cal. You still have Vaughns and Amon Ross St. Brown. These guys are all good. And Pittman said, you know what? I'm going to play regardless. I'm going to play in this game, and then I'll figure out if I'm going to go into the NFL draft. So I like that attitude. You know why? Because these guys love Clay Helton. They think he is that player's coach, and I think SC shows up for this game in a big way. And I'm not sold on this Iowa team. 
look, I know it's Nathan Stanley's senior year. I know he's a decent quarterback. Smith-Marset, not bad. Tracy, not bad as far as receiving the ball. And Brandon Smith, who missed some time, good receiver. Uh, you know, Goodson and Sargent, decent running backs. But I don't think they've gone against a, a speed team like Southern Cal outside of maybe somebody like Ohio State. I mean, when you start looking at, you know, the speed in the Big Ten yep. compared to this USC receiving core, there is no comparison. I think the Iowa secondary, as decent as it's been over the last few years, going to have a lot of trouble there in San Diego covering Southern Cal. I think Southern Cal is going to win this game. I think they're going to pull away and win it by double digits. Go ahead. There you go. About time you got that thing ready. Yeah. Give me Iowa. And I'm just going to give three ATS trends here. Actually, one's oh, You're going to trends now. Yeah, I'm going wow. trends. Uh, one and three doesn't sound like much, but Clay Helton's not a good coach, and uh, I, I don't think he's a good bowl coach with extra time. He's one and three against the spread. Kirk Ferentz, I think he is pretty solid. Bowl games, 10 and six against the spread. Those two, eh, not that great. Ain't not going to convince most of you listening. How about this one? Three, 17, and one. Three and 17, one push. That's against the spread. Three and 17. Can you guess what that is, KT? That's the Pac-12 in bowl games the last three years. I just now that I've been out here on the West Coast, kind of the West Coast, uh, the last what four football seasons now. I just coming from the state of Ohio. I just not nothing against the people here. I just there's not an intensity. Obviously, you need that uh, when it comes to football. There's just a lack of there's that carefree, laissez-faire type of attitude out here on the West Coast, and I think that severely is impacting. Some of these schools. I, I agree, agree with that. I, I agree with that. But that's why a guy like Eddie Orgeron or Clay Helton matter because these guys are there in the trend. They are letting these guys know, look, we're not just going through the motions because we've got five star recruits, guys that have speed and that's it. You know, no, we need to win games in the trenches. I think Southern Cal is going to be highly motivated in this game. And I think everybody else is looking at it. I think USC feels disrespected. And I'm telling you, Iowa. They're going to have yeah, a gonna... <laughs> lot of trouble with those receivers, man. I can't wait to see this matchup. I'm looking forward to this one in a big way. Yeah, and for those of you listening, uh, there might have been a little play placating there to the crowd just to have some action. I lean Iowa. I do worry. Keaton Slovis with an extra 15 practices. I think the best move SC made was securing Graham Harrell, the offensive coordinator. You can't lean it and, that... and press the green button, Brad Powers. Yeah, we got too much agreement here. We need, come on. Well, you press the button, like, so people now they've I'm already they've too. already they went to their accounts and they already Brad Powers hit the green button. I'm on it. So now I don't got, know. You're, you're on Mr. Iowa. SC. You're on it. I am on it. All right. There you go. Now that's better. Just don't just give me this. Uh, okay. Well, I just yeah. yeah. No, I'm on. No, it. all right. You're on. I'm it. on it. I, I do think you got a point though. I'm worried about that matchup. You should be. Yep. All right. It's a little bit crossfire there. Here's the worst thing. You're going to find out physics on Iowa too. Then you're really sweating. Yeah, <laughs> not yet. We'll see. Fezzik's coming up uh, later with a best bet and a few more likes. I don't think I missed any of his stuff yet. Let me look here real quick. Because Fez, Fez does what Fez wants. That's okay. I, re- I respect that. A guy that's won the Super Contest twice. The only guy living, dead or alive, that's done been able to do that. Yeah, I missed anything. He just gave likes. He's like, hey, here's my likes. And I'll tell you what, he came in today with, with RJ. Uh RJ a little under the weather here. And I'll tell you what, I sat in RJ's chair. Did you see that in the pre-production? I sat in his chair and within five seconds, I sneezed. So hopefully it doesn't wear off on me. Are you kidding me? 
RJ a little under the weather. Fez came in during during the straight out of Vegas uh, radio show today to to help out. You did as well, KT. And Fez only had time to. He's like, hey, I don't have time to do this college football dream preview. I guess that's a man, a really deep sounding Fez. I ain't got time to to do that. Ain't nobody got time for that. I, I, I'll just record my best bet and away I'll go. I said, okay. We we, we love to having you here, Fez, but away he went. Hey, you never know. He'll me be either. on the NFL pod tomorrow. There you go. Maybe fake Fez shows up for a game. No fake Fez here. No? No. Maybe. Doubtful. All right. Cheese it Bowl. Phoenix, Arizona. You're going to be in the neighborhood during that time. Maybe. Uh, we got Washington State playing Air Force. Air Force, right? Air Force laying three. Wow. Total 67 and a half. We have a double like here on the total. Wow. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I'll let you go, KT. Yeah. What do you like? Well, you know what? That's the whole thing. I Part of me wants to take Wazoo just because I love the way they wing that ball around. But Air Force, they're a team that, you know, Calhoun just is just an underappreciated coach. Not there in, uh, you know, where they play at Colorado Springs, but really, I don't. I think he's being passed over for some jobs. I think this is a guy that can can coach at the next level. You know, in some of these Power Five conferences, we'll wait and see how things pan out. But this is an Air Force team that you know, out of the Mountain West, they go hold their own. Doesn't matter who they play non-conference. Very rarely will this team get blown out. And I just like the way that they move the ball. And they're not just running and gunning. They're mixing it up. They're doing a nice little pass game here as well. And then I do like Gordon. I love the way the guy sits back there. Man, I've never seen a quarterback so nonchalant just standing back there. Sometimes I'm like, I thought the play's blown dead because he's just standing there with the ball at his side. <laughs> I swear, I'm just like I'm waiting for him. And then the next thing, and then I see him like, pick up the arm and gun it down the field. I think Wazoo's going to score points, but I think Air Force as well. I think Air Force, the combination of running and passing. And so I think this game's going to be very high scoring. The total, 67.5. I think this game easily gets in the 70s. I think we probably have the total with 8, 10 minutes to go. So I'm going to go on the over there. Look, it's Phoenix, Arizona, and I do have a chance to go there, but I'm not going to go because I'm going to the championship game. Uh, that might ball. Yeah, the, the the day after. This is the Cheez-It Bowl right there in Glendale. Wait, you're going to Clemson, Ohio State over this game? I know. What's wrong with you, it? man? Well, Clemson, I could Ohio State, or Washington State Air Force? I could go to both, and, and you're going to be sitting in studio there for me, uh, and I'll be you know driving down to get to Phoenix by the time this game's going to get ready to kick off. And I got a buddy who's got a ticket, but I'm going to pass because I want to make sure that I'm 100% for that Ohio State-Clemson game, man, because I'm looking forward to that. And that's going to be an all-day festivity and uh, going to take in one of the biggest games, if not the biggest game in college football, at least right now it will be. The national championship game uh, will be a bigger game if it's LSU and doesn't matter. Who else? I mean, if it's Oklahoma somehow, then all of a sudden we're going like, what the heck? Lincoln Riley did his best coaching job ever. But I just think this game has too many offensive weapons for both teams. And I think that uh, Washington State, win or lose, they keep throwing that ball. It doesn't matter. You're not going to get Leach out of what he does. And the conditions are going to be nice. I think this game, 70s, 80s. Yeah, I like the over, too. And to me, it's just how can either one of these teams replicate preparation and practice? Washington State team, that all they do is throw the football. Air Force team, all they do is run that option, although they've been throwing the ball a lot more this year and having a lot of success doing so. So when you got two contrasting styles here, I just got to play the over. And I'm also going to lean Washington State. I think Air Force is getting a little too much credit here, laying a full field goal. Washington State, a little bit of a disappointing season, but at times Washington State certainly looked 
uh, much better than their six and six record. Lean Washington State, both KT, Brad Powers, likes over 67 and a half. Moving along. And we, we're going to have to put the pedal to the metal here a little bit, KT. 17 now and 22 to go. Camping right, World go. Bowl, Orlando, Florida, the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, a three and a half point favorite. I'll lead it off here. I like Iowa State going against Notre Dame. Why? I, I just, uh, you know, following Notre Dame football, anytime ever in Notre Dame history, at least when they decided to, to start playing in bowl games, I think it was the uh, after the 69 season or maybe the 70 season when they lifted the bowl ban. After the 1927 Rose Bowl, Notre Dame said, no, nope, we're not playing in bowl games. School policy. They didn't play in one for like 40 years. Uh, since then, I can never remember a Notre Dame team sitting here at 10 wins, 10 and 2, and playing in such a low-profile game. Are you kidding me? The Camping World Bowl for a 10 and 2 Notre Dame team against a 7 and 5 Iowa State? I think Iowa State's psyched. Why they never play Notre Dame? That there's a chance to get to get after one of the blue bloods of the sport. An Iowa State team that's much better than their 7 and 5 record indicates why Iowa State lost 4 games, 4 by a total of 11 points, four games by 11 points. Uh, a lot of that is randomness. I think they got a great quarterback in Brock Purdy. And if you want to sound smart around the water cooler in the next eight, nine months, talk about Brock Purdy. Here's a guy that's going to go first-round draft next year. I think he skips junior season. He's got one more year. He's a sophomore. He'll play next year, and I think he'll be a first-round draft pick. Do you agree with that, KT? I do. I like the way he stands back there. Another guy that's very composed and sometimes almost too nonchalant. I think it got him in trouble in a couple games early on. And when you go back and look at their schedule, there are several games that were right there for the taking. I mean, this was supposed Including to be... Including Oklahoma. Oh, man. This was supposed to be... But that one, not so much because they came back from 20-plus down. Same thing at Baylor. They dug themselves a 20 nothing hole, come back, take a 21-20 lead, and then lose on a last Never out field of it. goal. I, don't that's, quit. That's the thing. They, they don't quit. And Matt Campbell, despite what RJ says, is a good, solid coach. They're going to make sure they keep him there in Ames, Iowa. And I think this team you know, within the next couple of years, is going to win a Big 12 title. And it could be next year. Uh, without no, without Jalen Hurts, Lincoln Riley's got to find another quarterback. And Purdy Spencer Rattler will be pretty good. Well, we'll see. He's not going to have the experience that Purdy has. And I think there's some good quality players that will probably be going there to Ames, Iowa. So I'll look at Iowa State. You and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, that we were going to get on Iowa State as far as the team we looked at as far as future for next year. So not going to disagree with you there. But I'm not going to buck the Irish here. I'll Why? Leave. I'll lean Iowa State here. Uh, the reason I'm – because Ian Book and these guys, they're still going to play hard. And here's the thing. These games, the two games that are going to be going, the Penn State-Memphis game and this game, Iowa State-Notre Dame, they both precede the two national championship playoff games. So you're going to have people that are already going to be in football mode. They're going to be watching these two games. They have a four-hour window in between the Oklahoma – LSU game and these two games. So you're going to pay attention to both these games. You're going to have them both on, and it's going to be nice to have the two of them on. But Notre Dame knows that, and they say, hey, we're still on a national stage. Yeah, it may not be the bowl we want, but I'll tell you what, we may get more attention from people that are in that football mode to watch those two playoff games than games on the 1st of January. How about we're down to four freaking games on January 1st? What has happened to New Year's Day bowl games? Times are changing. Yeah, I don't like it. Everything with nah, I don't. There, there used to be almost four to, four on at the same time when I was growing up. 
Ah, the Rose Bowl sucks this year. Let me turn on the Fiesta Bowl, flip over to NBC from, from ABC or whatever it was. Uh, I, one more thing. Uh, usually Notre Dame bowl games have the crowd advantage. Notre Dame travels well. Iowa State, uh, here's another bold prediction. Iowa State will have more fans than Notre Dame. They've already sold out their bowl allotment. They asked for more. Iowa State will have a huge following. Camping World Bowl, like Iowa State for me, lean, just a lean from KT let on me, the side. Let me, before you say that, though, remember, Notre Dame's a national brand. And when you're from Indiana. They're not excited to hold go on. to. When you're, I'm not saying the fans from South Bend area are going to go. But I'm saying there's so many freaking Notre Dame transplants down in Florida already from Chicago, mm-hmm. from all over, that have retired there and moved to the warm weather. Are you kidding me? We can go see our Irish right here in our backyard. How cool is that? So don't underestimate we'll that. See. They you may not, tra- they may not travel, that? but I'm saying the fans. There's, in other words, there's no Iowa State fans that just live in Florida. There may be a few. Okay, yeah. but there's a ton of New Yorkers, New Jersey, yeah. Chicagoans that live in Florida that may say, "Hey, this is a chance to take Junior to see the team that I've rooted for." So, guys, my age and and uh, maybe ten years younger, when Notre Dame was the biggest national brand, those people may be able to take that next generation to go see the Irish in person. Mm. We'll see. All right, you didn't take that into consideration, though. That's only, uh, only, only on Dream Pods do we get I mean, that. You kidding me? I just think there's apathy in the program. People get on me. I mean, that's why the sellout streak's done after so many years. I mean, who who cares? It's so stagnant. I mean, it used to be this used to be the program about national championships. Now we celebrate ten wins like it's the second coming. Nine and three, return to glory. I mean, it's just returning to, to mediocrity. <laughs> God, don't get me started. It's just ridiculous. Uh, next up, Cotton Bowl. This is a decent one. Arlington, Texas. Right now, Penn State is six and a half point favorite. KT strong. You like? Yeah, I like Penn State. No Mike Norvell off to Florida State. And you know what? Here's the thing. Uh, Penn State, very physical on the defensive line. Going to get after Brady White. And I think that you know, that great Memphis passing attack is not going to have a lot of time to set up shop. I watched Cincinnati get in on him several times in that championship game and make him uncomfortable. I think if Penn State's motivated, and I think they will be, I think Franklin, you know, is going to have these guys ready to play. You're right. You can look at it and say, hey, this is another one where we're not in a bowl. that we. But it's still the Cotton Bowl, and the Cotton Bowl has an old tradition. I think that they'll be fired up. They'll be ready to go, and they better be ready because it's still a Memphis offense that, man, if you're not ready, you could be in a lot of trouble. Don't know a lot about Ryan Silverfield, the new uh, coach there for Memphis, End of the day, I think Franklin's guys are ready, and I think they control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, and they're going to be able to run as well. And I'm looking for Penn State to open this thing up, shut down Memphis, hold Memphis to under 24 points, and if they do that, I think they're going to win this game by 10. Yeah, I just don't think Memphis has seen a front four like they'll see with Penn State. Silverfield, new head coach for Memphis. So interim tags off, so there won't be a substitute teacher effect. Memphis will be excited playing Cotton Bowl. Are you kidding me? Uh, one of the best bowl games Memphis has ever played in school history. But I just think Penn State far and superior. Although I will mention Penn State's offensive coordinator is off the Old Dominion. A little bit of traction there. I lean Penn State. KT much stronger. Likes the Nittany Lions. All right, guys. We've come to the halfway point of the Dream Preview. Basically, a rundown show going over all 39 Games coming up next, right after the break, we'll be previewing the two college football playoff semifinals. But first, our one and only commercial break. You're listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. 
friends at BetDSI. And as we head into the final couple weeks of the NFL season, it's always a bittersweet moment. So much great football is behind us, but the good news is there's even better, that's right, better football on the horizon. The NFL playoff push, the college football playoffs, and like we just, we're going to discuss here, and we're halfway home, the bowl season. If you're looking to add some excitement, make BetDSI.com your betting partner. You can use BetDSI's live betting platform where you can watch all the events and even bet on all the games until the final whistle. Remember, guys, new members get 100% bonus match using the promo code BELL101. That's B-E-L-L-101. That's double your money to start winning today. So why do you choose BetDSI? Well, let me give you a few reasons. BetDSI has been paying winners for 20 years. BetDSI is top rated on betting review sites. You can use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash this week. BetDSI has a user-friendly interface and mobile site. BetDSI has the fastest payouts in the industry. Guys, it's simple. You play, you win, you get paid. BetDSI also offers betting options for everything. I don't care if it's the NFL, NBA, NHL, boxing, all the major sports, politics, reality TV, esports, virtually everything you can bet on. And you can try live betting at BetDSI where you can bet on the games from start to finish every play and every minute until the very end. Remember, new members get 100% bonus match using the promo code BELL101. That's B-E-L-L-101. That's double your money to start winning today. Once again, go to BetDSI.com and use the promo code BELL101 and get this limited-time 100% bonus offer to make some extra cash. Guys, remember, it's only a game until you bet it at BetDSI. All right, we're back at it here. College football playoff semifinal number one. It is the Peach Bowl, Atlanta, Georgia, where LSU just played the SEC championship. Uh, right now, I mean, I got Mark Sheet here, LSU a 13-point favorite, but rumors, rumors flying as we're taping this on Tuesday. This just came down a few hours ago. Possible multiple suspensions on the Oklahoma side. And as I look at my screen here, LSU now up to a 14-point favorite in the Peach Bowl. I'll lead this one off. I'm only going to lean Oklahoma here. Uh, obviously, I got to let and see what those player suspensions are. Let that shake out. I just think Oklahoma's getting a little too much disrespect. I mean, if you watch that playoff uh, selection show, I mean, the, the, the amount of disrespect the proud program Oklahoma got there was, I know I'd take offense if I was any one of those Oklahoma coaching staff or players there. And uh, I did give one point for LSU playing in Atlanta, back-to-back games. Maybe it could be one and a half. I can't get the line here. Depending on what the suspensions are, I can't get the line higher than 13. I'm just going to lean. Just a lean for now on Oklahoma. What's the UKT? I'm going to take LSU. You know, I mean, I, and I'll tell people. Lean or like? Like it. I'm going to say like it. With that, the suspensions that you told me about prior to us going over these games that you expect to come down, I already liked LSU. Just rumors. Not, I know, I'm reporting. Listen, I liked LSU at 12. Same way I liked LSU over Georgia. Georgia, a good, solid program, and it's hard to go against Fromm, who completes 70-plus percent of his passes throughout his career. At the end of the day, I just didn't see that they had gone up against an offense, anything like this LSU team. Now, Oklahoma, 
they ended up squeaking out, what, how many, five, six, one-possession games inside the Big 12. They won games against Baylor twice that Baylor was right there, and they had to come back from 21 down in the first game. They had their man, C.D. Lamb, in that second game. Didn't have him in the first game, and they struggled again to get any distance there. So I just think that LSU, you're going to tell me that they're not going to outscore this team by seven points a game or seven points a half? I, I don't see it. I just Joe Burrow, to me, is playing at such a high level, and this kid wants it, and this kid sees it. He knows it's a grand opportunity. I don't think the Heisman or any of that stuff is going to affect a humble kid from Athens, Ohio. I think this kid's going to step up big time because he has the weapons, has Edward Solaire, an outstanding running back, has three great wideouts and a solid tight end in Thaddeus Moss. So the offensive line, when they got Sadiq Charles back, that anchored that left tackle position again, they're going to have time, and they're going to end up dismantling this Oklahoma defense. Not sold on the Sooners. D, that looks so good early on in the season. And I just don't think Oklahoma and Jalen Hurts are going to be able to match scores They're going to turn the ball over somewhere along the line. I think LSU is going to win this game by 20 points. So I'm going to be on LSU. I'll lay the 14. I don't like it if it goes to 14 and a half. I'll I'll tell you right now, I'll play it up to 14 for you out there that say, hey, Thompson's on that. If it's more than 14, I do not like it. I still think there's value up to 14. I think they win by 20 to 25 points. But at the end of the day, I don't like to lay a bad number. It's already going to be tough. If there are indeed suspensions for Oklahoma, that'll only increase the way that I like the game, but still don't want to lay more than two touchdowns. That's KT, like on LSU. Real quick, guys, uh, since we're covering every one of the bowl games on this podcast, doesn't mean we're not going to have another podcast throughout the bowl season. We'll have another one later next week. Haven't figured out the days because of the way Christmas fell this year, right smack dab in the middle. You know, Christmas Eve being a Tuesday night, Christmas being a Wednesday. That's usually when we tape both college and the NFL podcast. So maybe next Thursday, the day after Christmas, we'll come in and just do a quick pod, maybe an hour-long pod. We'll cover the New Year's Six games, give an update. Just go over six, eight games, six, eight of the biggest uh, bowl games, you know, throwing maybe Michigan, Alabama, Citrus Bowl in there uh, along that and just give you an update uh, of what's happening, particularly in these two semifinals. So make sure you're checking that out. That'll be late next week, obviously, with the, the Christmas and the holidays. Uh, I know all your guys' schedules is a little bit uh, difficult this time of year. That's why we tried to put all this, all the uh, our bowl thoughts, at least early ones, into one podcast. Again, like on LSU from KT. I'm leaning Oklahoma, but it's nothing strong at this point. Playoff game number two. KT going to be in attendance, and he has another like. You like? I like Clemson. I'm not going to be steered away from second-guessing myself. The eye test to me over the last several weeks has showed me that Clemson is in third gear and still destroying teams. I think there's still two more gears. They haven't had to use it. They will in this game, and I think you'll see it. I think Ross and Higgins are by far the two best wide receivers that Ohio State's DBs are going to go up against. No question there. I think Etienne, best running back Ohio State has gone against, although Jonathan Taylor good, but a little different there because you got a guy like Lawrence that can throw the ball around. So that takes less 
you know, focus there on a guy like Etienne because you're worried about Ross and Higgins and Lawrence to where when you're playing Wisconsin, you're not worried about Jack Cohn. You're focused in on Taylor being the main guy. I think a little difference here. So I think Etienne can have a big game. Also, Justin Fields, when he got popped in the mouth in the game against Penn State and look and what looked like it's going to be a game that's going to be over. It's done. It's 21 nothing or 20 nothing, whatever it was, Ohio State on cruise control. Next thing we know, a couple fumbles there, and I saw an Ohio State team panic a little bit, even against a backup quarterback for the Nittany Lions, a kid that all of a sudden is tucking the ball and running it right down their throat. So I was impressed with Penn State, ended up getting a cover there, but I saw something – a little chink in the armor there for Ohio State to where, wait a minute, they may not be as dominant as I thought. And I like Fields, but he's also erratic in big games early on. We saw a couple games where he's throwing high, throwing high, throwing high, where he missed some wide-open receivers in the, in the bigger games. And if, they do, if he does that here, it's going to come back and haunt him. Why? Because Clemson's defense is going to make him pay. You're finally going up against a defense and an offense that is just as good as yours and so we'll see how good Ohio State is. Now, they may, maybe the Big Ten competition is better overall and has them ready. We think it's better overall for sure as opposed to the ACC, but we know Clemson is head and shoulders above everybody in that conference, and I think Lawrence is the real deal. And what I like that Dabo Sweeney did this year, uh, Brad Powers, is that he didn't focus in on Sunshine Lawrence going for the Heisman, and he had the five interceptions early, and then we saw some great numbers but he still took him out at the beginning of the fourth quarter in games and, and, and rested him. You know why? Because this is what he's focused on, the Final Four and the championship game. And I think they're good enough to take out Ohio State. I think Ohio State was good enough to win the Big Ten, but I don't think they're ready to play a team that's been in this situation for the last several years, a coach that's been in this situation the last few years. Look, Day's done a nice job, but this is still his first crack, really, at this type of stage. We'll see how good Ohio State is. I have the bet with RJ. Ohio State, he had Alabama. What I can do is bet on Clemson because I've got a, a little mulligan there with Ohio State just in case Clemson loses, which is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put a dime on this Clemson team. That's where well, I'm Well, you at. only got a dime on the other one. Well, I'm, you know what? I'm You're trying. totally hedging? You know, I, I really think Clemson's the better team. I don't like what I've seen from Ohio State lately. I thought Wisconsin jumping on them. One, 20- get one half, one bad half. What other game? One bad like? half from them and one lousy half from Paul Chris. The play calling in the second oh. half was an absolute joke. Was an absolute joke. Or maybe Ohio State made some adjustments. No, maybe Chris didn't make any adjustments and he just thought, How do you oh, know we're gonna- that? Because I saw a team that's here, – here's the thing. I saw a team down 10 points, 31-21, that's huddling and freaking running the football with five and a half minutes to go. That, to me, is not a team that's going to try and win the game. That's a team that got blown out in the first meeting saying, hey, we made a nice showing here against the Buckeyes. They're going to the playoff. They're representing, oh, by the way, we're still going to get a nice check from the Big Ten when they make it to this playoff. I lean Ohio State. I want to push the button so bad. No, you push it, man. Because I can't. you're an Ohio no, kid. I just what are you I've leaning for? Because I, I mean, leaning. I'm leaning Ohio State. Just Why? Because my numbers like a half. I'm not through a key number. So trust I got your Clemson. numbers. Trust your. Numbers. I got Clemson by a half. I think Clemson should be favored, and, and maybe another. And that's pure power rating. If I go off of experience with the Dabble Sweeney versus. Uh, Ryan Day factor. Maybe it's worth another half. Point. Okay, so what's your line now for LSU then and, and Clemson? 
Uh, Clemson, pro, like two and a half. Okay, because you had it at three and a half to one. Yeah, three, no, three, I upgrade. You got an upgrade uh, LSU after the Georgia game. Okay, so that's about two and a half. Sweeney, you mentioned great in this postseason. Last seven years, nine and one against the spread, mm. eight and two straight up in the postseason. Last seven years, all ten against Hall of Fame type level coaches. Nine of the ten as an underdog, and he yet he went eight and two straight up. That's as good of a run, considering the implications in these games, of anybody in the history of college football. That's how good Davo Sweeney's been in the postseason. I'll just say this. This is the best semifinal we've ever had, at least on paper. Oh, no doubt. I mean, both teams are number one and number two in points per game margin, number one and number two in yards per game margin, number one and number two in yards per play margin. To me, this is the game. I all due respect to LSU. We'll see what happens there. LSU's got a nice semifinal, uh, kind of a layup against Oklahoma, and then they're going to be playing in their own backyard in, in the Superdome for the title game. But to me, this these are the two best teams in the country. I'm just leaning Ohio State. If it goes to three, then we got a bet. You want to make it three? Yeah, yeah, there you go. All right, three. Let's do that. All right, so, Kate, you're three. I'm going to give you three. Oh, wow, that's confidence. That kind of scares me. Well, I'm not. All right, I got see, Ohio State, the Buckeyes, plus three. I'm not betting a game if I think. I, look, and I understand getting the best number, all that stuff. That 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 makes total sense. But I'm not betting. It is the same. No, I understand. But I'm not betting a game if I don't think that team is going to win by a score over the spread. I mean, like in my mind, like I think that Clemson is good enough to win this game by ten. But I also say, you know what, because we don't have a good barometer as far as teams playing solid non-conference games against other conferences. So who is better? How do we know the SEC or the – well, we know the ACC track record-wise, just looking at them, uh, that they're, they're, the eye test tells me the quality of opponent there in the ACC is not near as good as the SEC uh, top echelon five teams and then your top six, I'd say, in the in the Big Ten. Maybe the Big Ten top to bottom because of Minnesota and even teams like Illinois on the improve making a bowl, teams like that. I think this may be collectively the strongest year that we've seen from the Big Ten top to bottom in the last 20 years because you've got Indiana that's quality. You've got you know a bunch of the Michigan State fell off. Cle- and that you're taking Clemson? I am taking Clemson, though. You know, the Big Ten's as strong as we've been in 20 years. That's right. But at the top, there's still that one team at the top. Just like the SEC a few years ago, you know what? They one floundered. team at the top, Penn State's pretty good. Wisconsin's pretty good. They Michigan's are, okay. Pretty good. All those teams I'll, are better than any number two team in the ACC. And I think Clemson would destroy any of those other teams. Well, they did. Now, I, I will say they'll beat that. Ohio State, but I think they could destroy any of those other teams from the Big Ten. All right. You got that down, McKenzie, on this bet? Three, Mackenzie producer. Yep, I got you. Yeah, All right, we, we McKen- got it. here's Mackenzie. I don't know if he's sleeping the college football podcast NFL pod. He can't wait to get in. Is that correct? I just I, I like to sit back and watch the Masters at work. No, uh, no I don't McKenzie know about right that. now. The master in this one's me right. getting a number. I got onto a key number here. Yeah, you feel like RJ? How'd that work out for RJ? He's got Alabama sitting home listening to the podcast right now, going, "God, KT got me again." We'll awesome. see. All right. Man, that's a position I'd rather not be in, though. Fading, dabble. Ooh. But I'll take the three with the Buckeyes. Moving along here. We're going to have to go rapid fire now that we're through the playoff games. Uh, this one will be easy. First responder bowl, Dallas, Texas for me. Western Kentucky, a three and a half point fair. A ton of money coming in. The Hilltoppers. 
I disagree with it. Give me Western, even though I don't like betting MAC teams. Why MAC sucks in bowl games? I lean Western Michigan. Anything on this one, KT? Yeah, Western Michigan, Western Kentucky. Nah, I mean, I like I like the way both teams have played at certain points, but I expected more from Western Michigan. I really thought with Washington his last year, I thought this team was going to be a little bit better out of the gate. But uh, you know what? I'm impressed with what Western's done. I'll lean Western Kentucky. I'm- All right, a little more disagreement. I lean Western Michigan. Moving along, Red Box Bowl, Santa Clara, California. We're up to December 30th here. We got California taking on Illinois. Cal, a seven-point favorite. I'm going to lean Cal. And to me, I, I I feel like I got a good handicap here. And here's the handicap. Cal's full-season stats are skewed. Why? Because they played with a backup quarterback half the season. I'm not a huge fan of Chase Garbers, but I'll tell you what. Record speaks for itself. Cal, when Chase Garbers starts the game and Chase Garbers finishes the game this year, Cal is 6-0. and 6-0 and when he starts and finishes. And I just think Illinois is overrated. Why? Out game by nearly 100 yards per game this season. Lean Cal because a lot of money already on Cal here. And I just I don't like laying a full touchdown with an offense that struggles even when Garbers is in the lineup. Lean Cal for me. What say you, KT? I'll, I'll lean Cal as well. And here's the, here's the reason. When I look at this 6-6 six and six Illinois team, and I'm happy for Lovey Smith because I like him and he took this job and a lot of people thought he'd be gone. But here's the games that, uh, you know, got him in this bowl game. Comeback against Michigan State down 28-3. to Very fortunate. Incredible comeback there. Everything that could go right in the last 18 minutes, 20 minutes of that game did go right for the boys from Champaign. And also the same thing inside the last five minutes at home against Wisconsin. They get a fumble by Taylor as Wisconsin's going in to increase on a double-digit lead. They get that fumble. They turn that into a touchdown. And lo and behold, what happens? They get that field goal after the interception off Cone where it should have just been a run for Taylor. Even if they don't get the first down, they can pin him deep and more than likely Illinois is not going to get down the field with that amount of time and score. But, you know, opportunistic team, Illinois, but Cal, solid defense, not travel there for Cal. No travel really going, you know, from Berkeley up there to Santa Clara. So, uh, yeah, I'll lean Cal. But like you said, that offense, even when Garbers is in there, it's like watching paint dry. All right, two lanes on Cal moving along. Orange Bowl. Are you kidding me? Here's the thing. You got to start to be able to make audibles. Say you take out Virginia here and throw in, you know, a partial ACC uh, partnership, Notre Dame. Throw Notre Dame in the Orange Bowl. We got something, right? No, Virginia, four-loss team who Notre Dame beat is playing in the Orange Bowl. Kudos for them. They'll be excited. First New Year's Six game ever for a Cavaliers team that only lost the ACC championship game by only 45 uh, Florida, a big favorite here, 14 and a half. Simple for me. I'm just going to lean Florida. I just don't see how Virginia's keeping it close here. Uh, I know one of the key cornerbacks for Florida sitting out, uh, and but still, I just don't see how F- Virginia makes it a game here. They're a one-player type of team. It's all about Bryce Perkins, and I think that front four for Florida can neutralize Bryce Perkins. Are you kidding me? That offensive line's a sieve for them, going up against one of the best pass rushes. Florida for me, lean, Gators, KT? Yeah, you know, it's too many points, though, for this Florida offense. Uh, Trask is a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. And, you know, they just don't have these great quarterbacks. Real, I mean, and I think Trask could be really, really good next year. We'll wait and see how things pan out. But, you know, and I know Perkins is, the, is pretty much the team, but I liked what I saw from them in the first half against Clemson. 
they they hung they hung in the game. They got a couple scores up, and they never quit, even when they knew the game was out 62, of reach. Sixty-two, seventeen, right? And you saw three of those touchdowns, you know, in the fourth quarter there for Clemson. Clemson, you know, I mean, uh, their backup quarterback came in and threw a few touchdowns. So, yeah, it's a it, Clemson. Like I said, is a different animal in the ACC. They're head and shoulders above everybody there. But a Bronco Mendenhall team in this game is going to go at it. They're going to say, hey, yeah, we lost to maybe the eventual national champions inside our conference. Let's go represent the conference and show them, look, we're a pretty good team too. Florida, not a team that really blows you out. You're going to lay two touchdowns with Florida. I'm going to stay away. I like Dan Mullen, but I like Bronco Mendenhall a lot. And I like Mendenhall even more as a motivator. I think he gets more from less. And so, therefore, I'll lean Virginia. Not going to play Mm. the game. All right. Brad, you want to give Ken a 17 and a half to make it fair? 17 and a half? Ooh, now Mackenzie's speaking up. Would you take 17 and a half? I would not. All right. You wouldn't? Are you kidding me? 17 and a half? I know it's a good number, but I'm saying it. Look. I'm, All right. Fair enough. I'm not, gonna, I'm not willing to give it. I'm not KT. It, I believe it, every half point matters. I, Don't I put agree. me in that situation. No, no. My thing I'm is, not Steve Fezzik in the NFL giving RJ free four points, giving half points here, KT, if, on a semifinal game. If I, if I were uh, going to take 17 and a half, I would have liked it at 14. All right. I, I, we'll just let that be. KT's on a time. No, I'm just saying. I, 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 I'm a three and a half points. Is three great. and a half is huge. I, I understand. No, it's not in a game like that because if it's like Virginia's the type of team that if they're going to be within 17 and a half, they're going to be within 10. Trust me. They're going to be within uh, 10 of that game. I will say this. KT's on to something here. When The point spread doesn't matter much when it comes to bowl games. In fact, uh, a couple guys did some studies on this. I, I'll give credit. Uh, I'll have to tweet it out later. And give them credit there. I'm, names escaping me right now. But one out of seven bowl games, point spread comes into play. Only one out of seven games in bowl season. During the regular season, one out of four times the point spread comes into play. So a lot of more high variance when it comes to bowl games. Moving along here, Music City Bowl, Nashville, Tennessee, Mississippi State, four-point favorite over Louisville. I'm going to lean Louisville. I just uh, give me Scott Satterfield who did a great job at Louisville this year. I get it. The SEC is a much better conference, but to me, I got the much better head coach Satterfield over Joel Moorhead here getting four. Just a lean for me, lean Louisville. What say you, KT? Yeah, you know, I'm, it's just a game I'm going to pass on. I, I I don't have an opinion. I thought Louisville, you know, good solid squad, but I'm you know at the end of the day, they I've watched them some games. They look like okay, this team's making leaps and bounds, and then you know later on. Not a team that, you know, like the Kentucky game. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, how does that happen? At Kentucky, you get blown out like that? That game was I, – I watched that and I said, I can't play this Louisville team. I don't care who they play in the ball. So I'm That's a worry it. for me. Just played an SEC team and got crushed. Yeah. I'm, I'm and that, a Kentucky team that Mississippi State beat. And a one-dimensional Kentucky team, a guy, Bowden, that freaking takes the ball. I'm running. Ooh, I'm running. You know what? Boy, now that I think about this, I did have 39 handicaps to do. <laughs> Here, now that I think about that more, I'm passing. I can't lean Louisville. Mm. I didn't mean to talk you out of it, man. You but did, though, man. I forgot about the Kentucky game. Yeah, I'd say it's I'm just passing. a game I'm passing, yeah. Pass for me. All right, Sumble. Ooh, we got two big opinions on this one. And he's been silent all show, but he's coming in strong. We got my favorite, Mr. Dave Esler, who's been winning since Moses was in short pants. 
Dave Esler on the Sun Bowl, Arizona State, a four and a half point favorite. Take it away, Dave. Sun Bowl, Arizona State over FSU. Current line minus four, four and a half. First of all, the Sun Bowl is a six hour drive from Tempe, 21 hour drive from Tallahassee. We know who's got the crowd. I think ASU wants to play. I'm not sure FSU just doesn't want this season to be over. So motivation, location, all Sun Devils. Strength of schedule clearly favors ASU. They've played. Utah, Oregon beat them. USC almost beat them. Michigan State beat them. FSU played and were crushed by Florida and Clemson, the only two teams of any relevance they've played. Now they come to El Paso without Cam Akers, the only 1,000-yard rusher they had on their team. He's skipping the bowl game. Nobody else ran for more than 300 yards. On the other side, I love Jaden Daniels and his 17 TDs, two picks. It's a matchup problem for FSU. They're a defense that allowed 62% completion rate, 116th in pass yards allowed. Give me Herm Edwards over Odell Haggins and any input Norville might have. Love the Devils. All right, that's Dave Esler on the Sun Devils in that one. KT, you're also strong on this one. I'm not as much. You like the total here. Yeah, I'm going to go under the total, and that's because there's a lot of key players like Cam Akers, Eno Benjamin, yep. running backs for both teams. One of the better receivers in the country, I think, in Brandon Ayuk. I really like this kid a lot. I like him a lot, too. Yeah, and I think this kid's going to be a steal, a sleeper for somebody. Uh, so I'm going to look under. Plus, El Paso, you know, when I watch the Sun Bowl sometimes, I look and I go, I don't know, is it the field or is it UTEP that the games are always low scoring? I mean, although Kyle Oxley every now and then will have a big game and, and get them up and over a total. But I just look and I just, for some reason, and wind comes into play there sometime. Now, I have no idea what the weather's going to be like there. Let me just tell you, last well, year. snow. Notre Dame-Miami game was snow. Could be. I mean, and the total, Brad, what's our total in this game? Total 54. You're going under 54. KP. Under 54. Stanford 14-13 over Pitt last year. Two years ago, Stan- well, Stanford, of course. And also, you got the infamous 3-0 game. Oregon State and uh, Pittsburgh in the Sun Bowl. All right. That was like 2007 or 8, I think. 3 nothing. Wow, I'm on that. Yeah, that's a 2008. You got a great memory. 3 nothing. Oregon State over Pittsburgh. Yeah, and I remember watching that game. That is crazy. I uh, can't remember the years like you over the last decade. I'm better off in the 70s and 80s, man, for the love of God. That's what happens when you get older, folks, uh, for you young guys there. But a definite, a definite under, uh, you know, Coach, new coach coming in there for Florida State. Look, Herm Edwards is going to try and get the W, but you lose a couple key components that running back I don't think is as good as uh, you know he thinks he is. But I uh, I do like Ayuk a lot. I'm not sold on Eno Benjamin going to be a big time running back. I've seen too many Arizona State backs get to the next level and struggle. Yeah, I'll be perfectly frank. I'm going to agree with you. I was thinking Florida State here. It's just too many moving variables. I mean, I want to trust Jaden Daniels and Herm Edwards more. Power rating, say Florida State's the play. But I, I, I think you make a good case for the under with all these superstars. And the market's not always quick. The market's qu- much quicker to adjust the side when key players are out. But th- usually it's a little slower to adjust on the total uh, in this case. And I don't think it's adjusted enough. I agree, KT, under the play. All right, moving along here. Liberty Bowl, here we go. Now we got some action, some crossfire. In one corner, we have Mr. Steve Fezzik, who's taken the midshipman here. Navy in the Liberty Bowl, a two-point favorite. Fezzik likes Navy. And then in the other corner, 
with the largest arms to ever enter Gold's Gym, Daddy. The 24-inch pythons rocking them out. Guns out, sun's out. Mr. KT is on the Wildcats. Yeah, I am. And I'm on, uh, you know, Cleman's done a nice job there in his first year. And, yeah, Skylar Thompson's going to take care of business to dual threat. But I like Kansas State. I think this team, you know, they're just a good college football program. And Snyder, we saw his two tenures there. The team was usually prepared to play. And I think this team will be ready to play. Uh, You get a guy coming over from North Dakota State that, you know, he's used to playing postseason games. It's nice for him to get a shot at it here with K State finishing eight and four now. Nice record against the spread eight and three, but Navy also eight and three against the number. So it should be a lot of fun. Look, I'm a big fan of Kenny Niamatloho, no question. He biggest game for him was just this past Saturday, knocking off Army handily. Malcolm Perry taking care of business, three hundred four yards on the ground. Love Malcolm Perry, the senior. Going to do what he can in this game against K-State, but I think he'll have a much tougher time because K-State, they've got time to prepare for the option, and I think they're going to score enough points on that Navy defense. I think there's a speed differential there. Look, Navy was solid against some of the lower echelon teams in the American Athletic. Uh, they had a couple decent games, and give Kenny credit. Coach Ken, 10-2 and two straight up. Love that after last year's debacle. I think they were 3-9 and nine last year. Uh, but yep. something just lets three me ten. three and ten. Kenny, uh, something lets me know that uh, Kansas State here is uh, is just going to take care of business. It's a team that doesn't beat themselves, and I think they're going to really just focus in on Malcolm Perry and keep him from getting to the outside. I think they have enough speed uh, there, you know, with their backers to make sure uh, that he's not going to bust things outside. Look, if Navy wins, it's because Perry has another major game, probably over 180 yards rushing. It could happen, but I think K-State's defense will be ready, tall to the task. Game in Memphis, I don't think much home field advantage for either, although I will say this, Kansas State travels. Their fans yeah. travel, whether it's basketball the crowd or football. Here. Yeah, and I think they will. I think they yeah, take care of business. Go to Graceland, Memphis, Tennessee, get some barbecue. And Navy won their game. They won their biggest game. They beat Army. They broke a three-game losing streak against Army. That was huge. And they didn't just win it. They won it handily. So give me Kansas State. I'll I'll take on Fez one on one anytime college football. Yeah, you know what? I'm upgrading. Gotta go against Fez in his one and fifteen run in this podcast. <laughs> I like Kansas State. Extra time to prep for the option. They played the much tougher schedule. And I was very impressed with Chris Kleiman this year. I get it. Bill Steiner did one of the best jobs in the history of college football, but to me, that program felt a little stale the last couple of years. Little new energy in that program. Uh, it seemed to be the difference for K-State. Big win at the end of the season against Iowa State. Kansas State going against Fez on this one. Both. KT, Ken Thompson, the largest arms, at least to enter pregame studios. And Brad Powers, both on Kansas State. Moving along, Arizona Bowl, Tucson, Arizona, Wyoming, a seven-point favorite. I'll lead this one off with a strong take. I like Wyoming. Wyoming minus seven here. Here's why. It's all a play against Georgia State. The market is not pricing Georgia State properly, and it's because of Georgia State's quarterback. Dan Ellington's playing despite the fact he's playing on a torn ACL. He's not going to have surgery until after the season. Uh, basically, the doctors say he can't do any further damage, so he's been playing on it. Uh, as far as damage being done, he's certainly not doing any damage as far as the run game because if you're not familiar with Georgia State football, you probably only know the Tennessee upset earlier this year. If you haven't been watching them, Dan Ellington's a good mobile quarterback. First nine games of the season, he's averaging nearly 70 rushing yards per game. Last three games after he's been playing on the torn ACL, 
a total Dan Ellington after averaging 70 yards a game. First nine with a torn ACL, negative five yards rushing. Not the same offense whatsoever uh, without a mobile quarterback, but he's still going to play on that torn ACL. I'm going to fade it. And statistically speaking, Wyoming's played the tougher schedule. Statistically speaking, Wyoming's the much better team in yards per play differential. Wyoming, like it. Minus seven. Let's say you, KT. Yeah, you know what? It wasn't a play for me. I'm following your footsteps. So you mentioned it. Today. A lot of following, man. Well, listen, when you make a point like that, a guy. All right. Uh, I know, appreciate something. it. No, look, you did your homework on this one, and I like it. I'm a Craig Bowl fan anyway. Another guy from North Dakota State. I, I yep. just love what this guy does, and I love the way this his teams play. And and very solid coaching by Bowl, who goes back to Vanderwall when he loses his starting quarterback that goes out, you know, uh, with the with the injury, and, and yep. that, that that hurts big time, you know, for most teams. But Vanderwall had starting experience last year, so he stepped in, and I really thought they played well. And I love the defense. I just like this team. This is a good, solid football team, and they blew their game against Boise State. I mean, they had that sucker. They end up losing in overtime. But uh, you know, I'm going to follow your coattails there. And uh, or not follow, just jump on your coattails there and take Wyoming. And uh, just to let these you know, coattails folks, weren't pretty good this year. Just yeah, you know you what? Know. But here's the thing: when this pod's coming down, you may still get some sevens. Brad gave this out on Straight Out of Vegas. Try and get it as quickly as you can because you know that's a key number. But I'm telling you, Brad Powers yeah, does seven and a half Brad, popping up. Yeah, see, Brad Powers moves lines, and I'm telling oh, you, not when you're that on much. a na- listen when you're nah. on a national show nah. and you ha- and you make great points like Brad made in this game. You're going to have people following you. KT, I do my homework, but I didn't have my homework done enough on this game. Now I do, thanks to Brad Powers. I'm all over Wyoming. I did lay the seven in between the radio show and the dream pod. All right, Wyoming, the pick. Moving along, how about this? Upping upping the annum here. Upping the Annie. I can't even talk. I'm starting to be like, I'm sitting in this RJ chair. I can't pronounce words. What's going on here? Upping the ante. My goodness. Best bet, Steve Fezzik, Alamo Bowl, San Antonio, Texas, Utah. It's funny here. It's, I, hold on. We, we taped this. They were full behind the curtain here. We taped this with Fez right after the radio show. He says, "I okay, I see some seven and a halfs out there. He's like, my best bet's Texas plus seven and a half. I'm looking on the, the sheet that uh, I got prepared for me from, from Mark, a, a pregame uh, employee here. Does a great job preparing the sheets. He's got the game seven. Funny, Fez gets seven and a half when the sheet says seven. But I'm looking at the screen. Seven and a half's fair. Steve Fezzik on Texas. Go, Fez, go. Alamo Bowl, I'm on Texas, plus the seven and a half in Tom Herman. I trust as an underdog, 15 and five against the spread. So been a pretty disappointing year overall for Texas. This is a chance for them to go ahead and finish the year on a positive note, and I'll trust Herman. And I tell you this, Brad. I do not trust Utah. Talk about a hangover. Utah's not only playing for the Pac-12 title, but they're playing for a potential trip to the Final Four. And the way it panned out with Oklahoma struggling against Baylor, I think Utah is kicking themselves having an opportunity to be in the Final Four. I can't see their fan base being excited having to travel to Texas for this game versus a typical situation where I think Utah would travel well. The fact that they blew their chances at the Final Four is a huge negative for a Utah team that, frankly, is not at 100% with cluster injuries in their secondary. I am on Texas plus the 7.5. All right. 
You get agreement with me, Fez. I do got a couple of concerns. One concern for me would be Texas lost both offensive and defensive coordinators. But they were both fired, so it's not like they were, you know, world beaters there, especially this season. But you just the loss of man hours there for them. You might have some first time play callers. That's a little bit of concern. But you certainly got to give a little bit of home field advantage for Texas playing in their home state. Normally, I think the crowd would be maybe 50 50 Utah, like you mentioned, would travel well. I expect Texas to have the crowd advantage. And you mentioned Texas as a dog. Herman's been really good as a bowl underdog as well. I'll write upset went over Missouri here at Texas two years ago. And then we all remember what happened in the Sugar Bowl last year where Texas is catching double digits outright upset over a Georgia team that was very disappointed to be there. You get agreement with me, Fez. Let's get you a winner here. Let's do it. And, of course, if we do get down 10 to 13 points, that uh, depleted secondary of Utah, Ellinger, real good chance he'll get me in the back door. Yeah, and Ellinger's going to be back next year. So he's this is kind of a kickstart to the 2020 season here for Texas. Good pick, Fez. All right, and again, uh, Fez and I taped that right after the radio show in that regard. He get, Fez got slight agreement with me on, on the Texas side. Where are you heading at here, uh, Texas-Utah Alamo Bowl? I'm leaning on Texas as much as I like Whittingham. I mean, he knows he had a chance to go to the playoff. Yep. Major disappointment. Yeah, the guys get it together, guys. Close out your career hard, Huntley and the guys, you know, but I don't see it, man. I just don't see this team being motivated. Maybe motivated enough to hang in there and have a chance to win the game, but I'm not laying more than a touchdown. I can see Fez's point, and if I'm going to play it at all, and I may, it would only be Texas, and I'm an Ellinger fan, and so are you, Brad. Yeah, lean Texas for me. Uh, 29 down, 10 to go in this bowl game. Spectacular extravaganza, whatever you want to call it, all 39 bowl games in one dream preview podcast. Next on the docket, Belk Bowl, Charlotte, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, two-and-a-half-point favorite here. Looks like some threes want to pop. To me, real simple handicap for me, I'm leaning Virginia Tech. It's Bud Foster's final game as a defensive coordinator for Virginia Tech after three decades of being among the elite in college football, at least for a large portion of it he was. And you got a Virginia Tech defense against a one-dimensional Kentucky offense, leaning Virginia Tech. I'm wondering, is Bowden going to play in this game? Because he announced, he announced that he's going pro. So, But there's been a bunch of guys that have announced they're going pro that said we're still playing. And it is funny because, I mean, one of the guy, Hill, uh, the solid running back, uh, Kylan Hill there for Mississippi State, he's going to play against Louisville. However, you know, his teammate, Cameron Dantzler, the corner, says, no, I'm not going to play. So, uh, you know, they're both going into the draft, but some guys want to play, some guys don't. And I remember being there at he's that. He's going to play. He is going to play. I remember being at that Oregon-Boise State game. When, yeah, this line would have moved, when, moved big time. When Royce Freeman was on the sidelines. Yep. And as that game got to where, boy, because they were all chummy and talking and laughing at the beginning of the game, Brad. And then as Oregon kept getting blown out, the worse it got. Nobody's talking to Royce Freeman. Yeah. They're like walking away going, yeah, you jackass, if you were playing, we wouldn't be getting embarrassed here on national TV here in the Las Vegas Bowl. So, you know, little animosity there. But I'll lean with you to, on uh, Virginia Tech because Kentucky is too one-dimensional. And when you give Foster a, an offense like that where it's not innovative, it's a wildcat, wildcat, and every now and then, you know, going to throw the football kind of like Army. Well, I think that Bud Foster and Vatek going to be all over that. I'll, uh, I'll lean on your side there, and I'll probably end up playing Virginia Tech. All right, two leans, Virginia Tech there, Belk Bowl. Uh-oh, we've been waiting for them to make an appearance in this bowl game extravaganza. Next up, it's the Citrus Bowl. 
Orlando, Florida, the Crimson Tide of Alabama taking on the Michigan Wolverines. Alabama, a seven-point favorite. And here he comes from the back. I'm going to have to excuse myself. Thank you, Brad. I appreciate it. It's been a while here now since uh, I've been a part of the Dream Preview. But I'll tell you what, I got my bowl game of the year here. And I'm going to take the Crimson Tide of Alabama. It's all easy for me. I got Nick Saban and six national title rings on his fingers. He's got so many. Not not good enough for one finger. And I got old Jim Harbaugh with zero rings. Zero. Zero point zero for old Jim Harbaugh. I got Crimson Tide laying just a touchdown. A touchdown against Michigan. Roll Tide. I don't care about players sitting. I don't care if Mac Jones sit for Alabama. I don't care if uh, Jerry Judy sits. I don't care if, uh, you know, the, the running back sits. It don't matter who sits for Alabama. I think a couple defense players going to sit. It don't matter. I don't care if it's seven. I'm with KT. It don't matter. Key numbers don't matter here. I'm going to take Alabama. Roll Tide. Alabama, bowl game of the year. Alabama minus seven. Wow, Haystacks, man, getting a little shot in there, courtesy of Brad Powers as far as me taking the bad number. But, Haystacks, I can't disagree with you here. I just think that uh, Bama has too much (laughs) firepower, so uh, I'm going to stay away. I don't like to go against Saban. Uh, I know Harbaugh and the guys, maybe they'll get up for this one down there in Orlando. Game is New Year's Day. Harbaugh wants to show, hey, I mean, uh, these guys want to show that uh, Saban wants to show, hey, we – we were a team worthy of being in that playoff. Maybe he tries to do a number on Michigan. We'll wait and see. Are there? I know there were a couple defensive players that had said they're not going to go uh, for Bama. Was there anybody else? Yeah, Terrell Lewis and Trayvon Diggs. Haystack didn't know their names, but yeah, that, that's it's that's linebacker. It, right? Everybody, Lewis and the, the quartet of receivers is going. Looks like Jerry Judy and everyone else is going to play. Man, that's not a good look for. The Michigan defense who couldn't stop Ohio State. Yeah, see, I can only look Alabama. Yeah, and I'm with a- I going. hate this. I'm with Haystack, too. I can only look to Alabama. Looks like everybody's on Alabama here, and that's the worry. 90% of the early tickets, pregame.com, Game Center, on the Crimson Tide. But Haystack don't give a care. Roll Tide. Bet them teams, not them numbers. He'll lay, I think he's willing to lay 10. <laughs> All right. Having a little fun here. Citrus Bowl. Moving along to the Outback Bowl. Tampa, Florida, also on New Year's Day. Man, this does suck. Only four games on New Year's Day. That's got to be the, the least amount ever, or at least back to when there was only three or four bowl games. Uh, right now, Auburn in the out, Outback Bowl, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm a lean Auburn. Here's uh, an Auburn team where their best defensive players are going to play. Marlon Davidson, Derek Brown, the two outstanding defensive linemen for Auburn. They played the much tougher schedule than Minnesota. You don't get this too often. A strength of schedule disparity of nearly 60 spots. I mean, that's about as much as you can get from the Power 5 level. Uh, I'm on Auburn here. Lean Tigers minus 7.5. Boy, I'll tell you, it's tough for uh, Minnesota. You know, they lose that game to Wisconsin, and that was it in the snow. They thought they had the advantage, but we saw Jack Cohn throw for 280 yards and short-circuit them in a game that Minnesota led 7-3 for a long time until Wisconsin took care of business, and Cohn really opened it up, and Minnesota didn't have an answer. So I don't know if they're going to have an answer. Like you said, going up against guys like Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson, those are two of the more potent defensive pass rushers in the country. And I do like the way that Bo Nix – 
you know, played down the stretch, including the game against Alabama. So, uh, boy, I, I, I lean Auburn. I don't like the hook. I, I want to root for Minnesota. This might be one that I just kick back and I just kind of watch and get ready for the Rose Bowl. Uh, but, yeah, I'll, I'll only uh, – I'll, I'll, I'll lean with Auburn, but I'm not going to lay the seven and a half. All right. That's a couple of leans on Auburn there. Let's talk about the Rose Bowl. Pasadena, California. Wow. Sun setting on the San Gabriel Mountains there. Beautiful scene. If you haven't done it, do it. You get the opportunity to go to the Rose Bowl. Wisconsin, a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Oregon. I'm another simple handicap for me. And, again, some of these later games we're going to go over again next week. A little bit deeper dives than some of these bigger ones. I'm just giving you a high level here. I'm going to lean Oregon. And, to me, Oregon's proven to me now not once but twice. They can handle playing with the big boys at the line of scrimmage. I'm talking about the uh, you know big physical Auburn team, particularly Auburn's defense, and then matching up with another physical team in the Pac-12 championship game against Utah. They should have won the Auburn game. They dominated Utah. I don't think they're going to be overmatched here at the point of attack in the line of scrimmage. I'm leaning with the Ducks. What do you say, KT? I'm going to go the other way. Why? Because my wife's Alike? from just, yeah, my wife's wow. from just outside of Madison, Wisconsin. So I'm betting on the Badger. I'm going to be wearing Badger shirt. There's only four games. I'm going to have my little Bucky Badger shirt on there and pull for Wisconsin. I like what I saw from that team in the first half against Ohio State. I want to see that team for 60 minutes. And this is a big deal for Wisconsin, going to the Rose Bowl. So, yeah, they knew going in. They're not going to the playoff. They already had multiple losses when they went in against Ohio State. Played a good, solid first half, lousy second half. Hopefully, Chris, not as conservative, changes things up there to take pressure off Taylor in the second half. I like Wisconsin. Yeah, they've gone up against some physical teams, Oregon has, in Auburn and uh, against Utah. But I still think the offensive line for Wisconsin is even more imposing on a defensive line with the size of those Paul Bunyan axe-carrying guys. And I'm going to take a shot that Taylor's going to have a big-time game and that Wisconsin is going to travel much better than Oregon, even though Eugene Eugene is closer. And here's why. Because Oregon, they too— had a shot at the playoff. They controlled their own destiny, but they floundered. Yeah, they rebounded and beat Utah, but they lost a game. And then I watched them play Oregon State against a backup quarterback. They looked putrid in that game. I looked mean, pretty good against Utah. Yeah, looked good against Utah, but this isn't Utah. This is Jonathan Taylor. All right, Taylor to me is better than Zach Moss. Their offensive line is better than Utah's. Utah's defensive line I like better. But I'm going to take Wisconsin. I think Cohn's going to mix it up. And I think you're going to have 40,000 Badger fans there going nuts against 20,000 little Oregon fans. It's only 60,000. There's going to be a lot of empty seats. No, no. There's a lot of people that are neutral that are just going, oh. taking the festivities. Have you watching the Rose Bowl? It's usually split. They wear their school colors. All right. We'll see. I'll All right. Be- well, okay. Give me three. What? Give me three. Three percent. No, three. Oh, I thought maybe three percent of the crowd. No, no, I'll no. Have, I'll have 53 percent. You'll have 47. <laughs> there you go. Wisconsin uh, what, three. I'll take spread? Oregon. It's two and a half. Wait, wait, wait. Two and a half. I'm asking for three. And then yeah, I'll... now you already got your, your one good line. Right. You owe me one. You right. owe me one. We'll get it back. And, and, and yeah, Kenzie we'll tried to step up, you know, for me in that Florida thing. But, uh, you know, that wasn't the one that was appealing to me. I'm going to find another one. We'll find another one. Yeah, we'll find another one that I'll be able to get some some value for real quick. we got to roll. Yep, rolling along here. Sugar Bowl, Georgia against Baylor. Georgia a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, Some news breaking on Georgia. In fact, let's move the line a little bit. 
Uh, as we're taping now, I'm seeing some sevens and some six and a halves. A couple of offensive linemen, key guys for Georgia, going to sit out. Looks like DeAndre Swift, the running back, will play. But that was just announced about right before we went on the air here. Uh, Georgia, about a seven-point favorite. I'm leaning Baylor here. Again, doesn't look to me like Georgia's learned their lesson from last year. How motivated are they going to be? Baylor will be motivated, in my opinion, playing in the Sugar Bowl. What do you think? And maybe Smart says that to him. Look, guys, uh, you know, people are looking at us outside the SEC saying, God, Texas just laid, us on, laid it on us last year. Are we going to be motivated? Look, we had our opportunity to win the SEC title. We lost it against possibly the eventual national champion in LSU. But let's go out and, you know, at least save face. And DeAndre Swift... Maybe that's why he's playing in this game. Maybe he feels that he wants to go out into the NFL draft with a bowl W, not two straight bowl losses. I can't trust Baylor. I, again, I, I've been against that team you know, all year, and I love Matt Rule, and I love what they've done. I just don't want to bet on him. I'm not going to bet this game at all. I just want to watch it. I hope Baylor does win the game, but I will respect that Georgia still has Fromm and Swift and that they got tattooed last year by Texas and embarrassed that I think that the guys that are playing are still five-star quality guys that are going to go out there and say, hey, we have enough to take out this Big 12 team. All right, lean 4KT. On Georgia, you're, yeah. you're willing to take yeah, a shot? I'm leaning All on All right, I'm, I'm looking at the screen here. Six and a half yep. right now you can find. Yep. We'll see. All right. One more game. Uh, one more big game for KT here. It is his one and only best bet. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. We play Blossom twice because it is a bowl game spectacular extravaganza. The most games we've ever covered on a dream preview. And it's the Birmingham Bowl. Cincinnati, a seven point favorite. Go, KT, go. All right, a couple of things here. Cincinnati was my best bet last week. They took care of business against Memphis as far as against the spread. Had their chances to win that game. Ritter, I thought, was outstanding. And uh, coming off the injury, I really liked what I saw from him. He tucked it under. He ran for some key yardage when they needed it. No A.J. Dillon for Boston College. That's major, man. Are you kidding me? Yep. It's almost 1,700 yards on the ground. Look, I understand they're going to go with an interim coach here. Gunnell uh, going to be there. We know Halfley, the uh, D.C. from Ohio State coming over. Right now, I'm looking at Cincinnati to win this game, and I, I think handily. I think they're going to win this game by three touchdowns when it's all said and done. Game in Birmingham, I like Fickle. I think Fickle's a good, solid game day coach, and I think Cincinnati's got enough there. Michael Warren, the second. This guy is a very good running back. I think he could play at the next level. I think Cincinnati going to be refocused after losing that tough game to Memphis and say, hey, guys, let's close out on a high note. We got a team here that lacks talent, lacks speed. Let's get them. I think Cincinnati's going to blow out Boston College. Agreement with me. Like Cincinnati, interim coach, uh, A.J. Dillon out. Can't play BC. Give me Cincy. Moving along, five more left. Gator Bowl, Jacksonville, Florida. Tennessee, a one-and-a-half-point favorite. I'll let you lead the way here, KT. I'm anxious to see if you're on the Hoosiers. No, of course I am. I'm on the Hoosiers. I mean, I I like Allen. I like his team. I like his offense. I like the four receivers they have. Yes, it's a – no, no, I'm leaning. I'm leaning towards it. Oh, okay. No, because I respect the – Tennessee and, and and really how they got out of the, the doldrums and the yep. dumps from those first two losses. And, you know, you lose to Georgia State out of the, out of the gate there. Uh, next thing you know, you're in a lot of trouble trying to just tread water. So to make a bowl game, I'm impressed with Tennessee getting there. 
And, yeah, there's no doubt they can win this game. But I like Indiana to go 8-4. and four. Tom Allen, yeah, you look at his losses. They're tough ones. The Michigan game uh, didn't play real well. Ohio State, uh, they, they end up getting blown out 51-10. to 10. Lucky to be Purdue. Yeah, you know, exactly. But still a team that when the chips were on the line there down the stretch, they had to take care of business in uh, several of those games, including at Nebraska, which is not an easy place to win, but they got the W Except there. everyone beats Nebraska last two years there. You know, but at the end of the day, yeah, I, all right. I, 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 Indiana doesn't. Indiana in years past, they lose that game. Yep. And so I, I just I think Allen did a better job this year. That's why he got the contract extension. And I think Indiana's happy to be in a game there on January 2nd. I lean Indiana. I respect Tennessee. And I think that team is on the way up as well uh, in the eastern half of the SEC within years to come. I think they're going to be challenging there. Uh, you know, I know Mullins there at Florida, and I know you have Smart there at Georgia. But I'm thinking Tennessee is going to start getting some more recruits and even keeping some kids home. That's a great uh, Tennessee finally getting back to where they should be. They, they should be at least third in line. I know Tennessee fans going to say it. we can't be behind Florida and Georgia, but you at least should be ahead of Kentucky and South Carolina and Missouri and Vanderbilt. And I think they can at least get in that position moving forward. I lean Tennessee here, but I think both teams are excited. Line's relatively close to my power ranks here. Just a lean on the Volunteers. Here we go. Another, and I think this is KT's last leg of the bowl season. Three left here. Three bowl games left. Potato Bowl, Boise, Idaho, Ohio, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. KT, you got a like on the Bobcats. Yeah, I do. And RJ will find me, but it's worth the find because I'm going to just tell you, when I got information that four Nevada starters on the defensive side of the ball are going to be suspended, now one only for a half, the other three for the game, I jumped on this right away, even though this game isn't played till. January the 3rd, but I'm going to take Ohio. Now it's up to seven and a half, and I'm going to tell you, I still like it. I know if you can, if you got a guy, you can buy it down to seven, just have, you mm. know, at least there, you know, and you may not, but I'm just thinking, I've seen this Nevada team, and I'm not sold. This team's very good offensively. They're inconsistent at best. I mean, I watched Hawaii go up there into, into Reno and beat them like a drum 57 oh, to three or whatever. So. Don't remind me. I had that game. I had Hawaii. So I had a Hawaii bet. Uh, I had you had Hawaii. Yeah. Wow. I had Nevada best bet on this podcast. Yeah, but I don't think I pulled the trigger until day of the game because we didn't bet on that. Mm. Um, I do remember you liking that, but you know, you know me. I've been on that was Rolovich. probably my worst loser. I've been on Rolovich pretty much all year, and he pulled yeah, the fumble. Haven't. He pulled the fumble, Ruski, in yeah, that game did. too, he and were up forty. The rub it in. Keep in mind, he was the coordinator at Nevada. Ah, uh, there you go. So that'll uh, uh, that could come into play as well. But I'm I'm liking this Ohio team anyway because Solich, 25 years there in Athens, has done a great job. Could be a nice little year for Athens. Could get the uh, Heisman Trophy winner, national champion winner Joe Burrow, and also have Ohio close on a nice note by routing Nevada. I think they take care of business. I think they pummel Nevada. This is a big time like for me. Yeah, the YPP guys are going to love Ohio here, number 34 in the country in YPP differential Nevada's 117 so I don't think the number comes down if you're looking for a seven I'm not sure you're going to see it unless you know the Mac goes out there and stinks up the joint in bowl season but uh you can agree with me I'm leaning Ohio two more left and again guys we're going to dive in deeper to these uh as we move along we're more than two weeks out from these bowl games at this point so we'll, we'll get more deeper handicaps on a few of these as we get closer to game time January 4th Tulane Southern Miss Armed Forces Bowl, Fort Worth, Texas. Right now, Tulane a seven-point favorite. I'm going to lean Tulane. He's played the much tougher schedule so far this season. I just trust Willie Fritz, head coach uh, for 
the wave. I'll ride the wave here. Uh, lean for me on Tulane. I'm with you. I'm leaning you there. If it was less than seven, maybe I look uh, at Tulane to play him. Southern Miss, Abraham's not a bad quarterback, but the rest of that team is is not near as good as Tulane as far as I'm concerned. And Tulane, you know, they had their chances to beat Central Florida, lost that one, uh, but they've dropped five of their last six, and that's not good going into the bowl and, you know, got beat pretty good at SMU 37-20. to 20. So it's a game that I'm going to look at Tulane. If it drops under seven, I may sprinkle a little there. Otherwise, I'm going to stay away, but I do not want to back Southern Miss. Not impressed. All right, guys, we've come down to it. The final game. 39, 38 bowl games down, one to go, Lending Tree Bowl. This is already January the 6th. Again, we'll dive into this a little deeper as we get closer. It's in Mobile, Alabama. UL Lafayette, a 14-point favorite over Maya of Ohio. I lean ULL. I'm not afraid to lay it here. I just think UL Lafayette's the much far superior team. Uh, obviously, that's why they're laying two touchdowns. But you look at yards per game margin, ULL, top 10 in the country. Maya of Ohio, not even in the top 100. Yards per play margin, ULL, top 15 in the country. Miami, Miami, Ohio, number 83. Lean ULL for me, but again, I'll dive deeper into it as we get closer to game time. Yeah, I hate to say the same thing, but, you know, I'm going to lean as well. The spread's too high, otherwise uh, I may look at ULL. Uh, Miami of Ohio found a way to get it done over there in Detroit at the at Ford when I said I wasn't impressed with Central Michigan I wasn't but I was impressed with Miami of Ohio they come to play they try to shorten the game they're not a team that's going to put up a ton of points but they can beat you if you're flat they can get you what I did like about Lafayette in the championship game of the Sun Belt is that they were flat and they were getting whipped by Appalachian uh-huh. State but they stayed the course and only lose the game by a touchdown that shows me I've got a team that's still fighting inside the final minute to come down And for those, again, that maybe took seven and a half, you got that cover there. Or for those that got seven, you end up getting a push from a game that looked like it was dead in the water against App State. So I like what I see out of UL Lafayette. Miami of Ohio, very opportunistic team. Like Kent State, Miami of Ohio, fortunate to be in a bowl game, but I give them credit for getting there. That is Kent Thompson. That is the final bowl game of this bowl game extravaganza for the bowl dream preview again repeating the best bets best bet from brad powers smu minus three best bet steve fezzik texas plus seven and a half best bet ken thompson cincinnati minus seven dave esler best bet arizona state that's going to do it we'll be back with you guys next week and again we'll dive deeper into the new york six games including the two college football playoff semifinals we'll talk to you later in the week one more note college basketball dream podcast with aj hoffman and myself brad powers that will start up this week make sure you're checking that out in any of your podcast players you can follow ken thompson on twitter at sports x radio you can follow me on twitter at brad power seven and steve fezzik of course is at fezzik sports and esler is at dave underscore esler that's dave underscore esler on twitter all right talk to you guys next week Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for R.J.? You can contact him directly on Twitter at R.J. in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.